like them you know like, I just have one for lunch and there's hot dogs cool. in this film as well because oh the, yeah the hot do- and I was I was, literally, I was literally just thinking where have I heard hot dogs in a movie recently and then realised it was this it's the, movie it's the Irish film because they do them in beer oh. and I was like that looks really nice it I does look I, delicious and I was watching Chef Show and they did hot dogs nice damn you gotta love hot dogs anyway Hello everyone, <laughs> and welcome back to Taking on Hollywood. I'm Sunny, as always I'm joined by Alex. I'm Alex, hello. Yes, hello there. Um, and this is the show where we give our take on Hollywood. This week we're going to be talking about The Irishman. Um, this is uh, in, first... as part of our... Oh wait, do you want yeah. to go? I'll, uh, I don't mind. Um, you could do it, it was your idea. Well, so this is um, because obviously this podcast didn't exist in 2019 and there were so many amazing films in 2019 that we i wanted to talk about anyway to the very least so I, yeah, yeah so we're doing a bit of a, a it's like a sort of an alternate series so every other episode will be a 2019 catch-up so we start with the irishman we're gonna do stuff like knives out maybe little women yeah maybe toy story 4 uh we'll, we'll, we'll stop it eventually we're not doing every film that came we're just doing films that we enjoyed parasite as well just remember yeah pretty much i mean we might cover some films that like there are a few that you like that i didn't and i like that you didn't so well yeah there, there were films that it won't just be us like, praising the movies there's films like that i enjoyed and maybe sunny didn't watch or because he wasn't interested but i think it'd be a good way for us to you know get some more relevant stuff going about it and not, you know, something from 15 years ago by Tim Burton or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm definitely, I, I've not seen a lot of the movies from last year. Cause I'm, I'm just kind of the person that's like, if I, if it sounds good, I'll watch it. Whereas Alex kind of is more of a student of cinema and he kind of tries wow. to, I don't think I've ever described it wide, <laughs> Well, you kind of more, you kind of more, um, open-minded when it comes to movies you, you're willing to watch all sorts and i'm just kind of like i don't i'm not gonna watch it if i don't like it so it's a portrait it's a of a lady on fire for me i watched to... that that was boring oh god i'm not gonna lie yeah i gave up i think i saw the first five minutes and was like no well, i put, I put um, it on because parasite wasn't yeah. working we were there and and yeah it was i couldn't even but this week we're talking about the irishman mine's yes, my f- film yeah my favorite film of last year, out of the ones I saw, and that includes Toy Story Four, which wow. broke my heart into it pieces was in, my, in a good way. Um, top five, I think. I don't know if it was number one, but it yeah. was probably three or four. But I think I would put it at one now after seeing it for a second time. Yeah, definitely. I I, I wanted it to be The Rise of Skywalker at number one, but we all know how that obviously. That's never going to happen. That was a hard pill to swallow. Anyway. No, I saw it coming. Anyway, no, well, we've got our obligatory Star Wars reference out of the way for this episode. Yep, so that's uh, over with. Ding, 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 ding. We've rang the bell. Ding, ding. I need to get. I need to get a little soundbite for the Star Wars uh, reference. Um, 
Probably like a quote or something. I don't know. Yeah, stay on target. So should we just stay get straight into it? Yeah, let's start start from the well. Where, where do you want to start from? Should we go over the I first, think the opening or the characters? I think I, I just want to. I just want to get. I just want to get your just overall feelings, and we'll do that, and then we'll go okay. into specifics. Um, this movie. Okay, I love a good gangster movie. It's one of the few kind of almost depressing and drama dramatized movies that I enjoy because there's always a fantasy element to them. They're always a bit kind of. Yeah, they're not realistic. Glorified. Well, they are. Yeah. They are, but they're they all, are, yeah, but glorified. That's the best yeah. word for it, probably. Um, and after The Godfather, this is my favorite movie of that kind of... After The Godfather trilogy, well, one and yeah. two. I, I, I could easily say this is better than Godfather 3, but it's... Um, We're just going to... Yeah. Oh, poor Godfather Part 3. Yeah. The only thing I liked about episode. that movie was the last scene. Like, that was it. We didn't even like the Michael star with Yeah. Anyway, we, we covered that in a previous episode, but go and watch um, it. Listen, even. <laughs> yeah, I preferred this movie. People are going to hate me for this. I prefer this over Goodfellas and Scarface. Wow. I agree on like, Scarface, but I'm, yeah. Goodfellas is Moo mu Primino. I can't. I don't know what yeah. I'm trying to do with Italian. Muy bueno. <laughs> so uh, Italian. We apologize to the country of Italy for Alex's uh, appropriation. <laughs> Well, we apologize every gangster film. We've had to apologize for Italia. Yeah, Italia. Yeah, Italy. Yeah, yeah. We're not the most uh, um, wizened of uh, world politics and such. But yeah, uh, this movie as a movie, I enjoyed it a lot more than Goodfellas. Um, I enjoyed it a lot more. Way have you more seen than how many times have you seen God Godfellas? Goodfellas. I've seen it once, and I've never had the desire to watch it again. And I don't know why. I enjoyed it. It was fine, but I just it never drew you me see, back. I, and this movie is four hours, and I still wanted to watch this again. You see, um, I Goodfellas is really good, but yes, uh, and uh, I love it. I think it's probably the best film he's made. But that doesn't mean it's my favorite. I don't know what my favorite Martin Scorsese film is. I don't know if it's this. I think because he's so consistent, you just can't choose. Like when people are like, yeah. I saw this video or I re- read something, I can't remember, but it's this guy listing, ranking them all. And I think ranking's a bit stupid anyway, because you just... Yeah, I don't, yeah. It's just like, why bother? It just uh, Lists are a bit stupid for me anyway, because I'm just so indecisive, I can't choose them. <laughs> but um, I think they're all so consistent, I can't choose. But this is definitely one that I wanted to watch again. This uh, The yeah, Irishman. I, Goodfellas, Goodfellas was the same. So... I, and uh yeah and then when i watched it a second time goodfellas i got a bit more out of it you because i think whenever you go back you always see a bit more it's very detailed oh, definitely yeah i definitely saw a lot more this time because it was like i think when i first watched it, it was like i started at eight so it finished at like 11 and i was like oh god like yeah, week, it was a weekday. I was like, oh. It was, um, I kind of spent the whole day watching this movie because my attention span isn't great. It's like um, a goldfish. So I, I kind of watched, yeah, I kind of watched it for like an hour and then paused it, went and got some lunch, did an hour, then paused it and did a bit of writing and, and did, you know, so I'm well, not I very watched, good at um, just sitting there for four hours. I watched it all in one. Cause I'm, yeah, uh, that's, oh, I couldn't do that. I, well, I, 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 I mean, I, I, I always 
I, you know, you go on your phone and you like flick through yeah. it while the film's still going. I hate doing that, but I can't help it. I don't yeah, know. I usually don't do that because I feel bad in case I miss something. I feel so I'll really just bad. kind of pause it, but then oh, it ends up going on for about six or seven hours because every time I pause it to check my phone yeah. and make notes on the movie and write down my thoughts or anything I liked, which I've started doing with TV shows now, just just Ooh. outside of the podcast. If I if I watch Get a movie you. or a TV show, yeah, dude, I've, well, been, I just doing it for, I, I've been doing it since the, yeah, I know last year. And you made I just thought because I want to so, uh, <laughs> bring it up that old chest. <laughs> it's true, um, but yeah, it's a it's a good idea though because I was like, I often have I, after I've watched a movie, I'll just talk to people about it if I get the opportunity. Like, oh my god, I love this. So they're like, you just you need to write this stuff down. So I guess I should, and I've started doing it. I th- so. I think it, it, writing something down just helps me because I always when I'm like, people are like, what do you like about the film? I'm like, I completely go blank. It's like. I liked it, but yeah. I can't remember why. So I write it down. And it's like then it's lodged in my brain. Why? Definitely. I, like I mean, I I wrote five five word document pages on this movie alone. Well, I need little, to get my notes. Yeah, I've got my notebook. Um, two pages. This this is a lot for me as well. I'm very concise. Yeah, so I need to work on condensing that. But I also know that I read through my notes last night and this morning a little, and I I I just was like, oh yeah, I forgot I thought that. So I'm, I I'm liked glad I wrote the uh, the green shirt you wore that's probably yes. like, that's what i picture your your notes being like i, I liked in i like the green i liked five no, um, minutes in when i saw a bird fly past the tree it's like complete like just every like little detail i found that i tend to focus on the story a lot and also the history behind movies for some reason i don't necessarily look at the lighting and the and the i do look at the set design the thing i look at the least and make me least notes on is the lighting and the sound design because they're the kind of thing where if they're right, they're right. If they're not, they're not. Like you know, it's, well, you're in luck. There's definitely because an art I've, to it. I've written, I've written about that. So yeah, I was hoping you'd notes. you'd cover that side. And because um, <laughs> so you said you liked it. I think I like. I really liked yeah. it as well. I think overall, I, 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 I liked it. I liked it a lot more because I, I think I watched the first time I watched it was the day it came out on Netflix. Yeah, me so too. I think that, that that was like ages ago now. And so this is the second mm. time I've watched it. And I definitely was like, oh, I get it a bit more. Because probably I was yeah, like, I, th- I was sleepy, you know, eating my dinner while I was eating. Yeah, that, that's wasn't. definitely the case for, for most movies, especially these these kind of more convoluted, especially gangster movies tend to be quite complicated. Good God. <laughs> I was like, uh, probably because they're set in real life. Um, but yeah, you definitely get more out of these movies, like The Godfather Part 2 and 3 and Part 1. It's the same as that. You, the more you watch it, the more you get out of it, the more you understand it. Well, I think that's, that's just true times, for any, any great film. I, yeah. I watched Seven Samurai. Definitely. Three more times. Yeah. No, well, I watched it the first with you, and I watched yeah. It, yeah. I've watched it three more times since. And every wow. time I go back, I'm like, oh, God, this is like the greatest film ever made. <laughs> it is, um, it's definitely... Yeah, because the first time a lot of these movies, a lot of the best movies in history are also quite long and uh, the story's not always necessarily quite straightforward. Pack them in, get rid get. Yeah. Um, but you know, but it's like, it's like, you I just go, people you just, enjoy it. You just go where the the thing goes, but there's yeah. there's a time and place for short, concise movies and there's Definitely, plenty of yeah. out there. You go on anywhere, look anywhere, you'll find like an hour and a half one that's really fantastic. But then mm. you you just let the masters do their work. Like Tarantino, his work, whose films are really long. Well, not that long, really, but they're long. 
and they sort of meander, but everyone just loves him anyway. This one, just let him do it. He's been doing it for what? How long has Martin Scorsese been making movies? Like 50, nearly 50 years. Probably, yeah. Nearly probably. 50 years. So My just one, let, him, let him do it. And people were like, oh, why is it so long? It's like, if you can sit through a Avengers Endgame, which is less like mind-numbingly just yeah. like, oh, look at all this spectacle. Wow. We'll be getting onto Avengers Endgame in this series as well. Um, You can sit through this. It's like, yeah, and, it, even, think, even the, and people are like, why can't it be um, f- like split into four episodes? Because then it's not a film. I th- I think I, if you, I would if have... You do, if you don't want to watch it in one go, just do what you do, Sonny, and watch it. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. That's why I would have liked a cut of it that is maybe a miniseries. I'm not saying the film as it is. I don't think Scorsese should have made it a miniseries. Well, it's interesting but the story you, he, you he that. based it off lends itself to that. Yeah, like, it's interesting you say that because... Tarantino when he did The Hateful Eight that was really yeah. long probably like what was it like three three hours twenty something like that right um, he still did, shorter than this movie <laughs> well, well people were like oh, it's so long it's like well, shut up for god's sake yeah um, so and he he cut that into I think it was either four or five episodes and he added scene, he had he put like additional scenes in to sort of stretch it over on Netflix, I think I don't, I don't know if it's still there. I don't know where it is, but I personally think that's the way to go. But I think that these but, movies but, but, but lend that, themselves that means, to streaming. But that's not just that's not just the only place you can watch it. That's like an additional, like extra thing. If you want to watch exactly. it that way, you can watch the film or you can watch the miniseries version. Anyway, yeah, I think it's all down to preference. But I think this this works. This story, how Scorsese portrayed it, works really well as a movie the way he did yeah, it because that's his that's his craft but if i did a lot of research into the kind of the backstory behind this and the, the real book. life events it's a book isn't the, it? the the book yeah the the kind of biography and some of the other sources because apparently the book is not some people think it's not entirely truthful and i don't know but um wow. i it, can't imagine the, why yeah but the events lend themselves to me. If if it was up to me to adapt this to screen, I would have done it as a mini series. But yeah. given that Scorsese was was doing it, I I agree that it was a, it should have been a movie. If it was him in charge, because that's yeah. what he does. Because he you he know. can go he can go in and he goes this is a bang 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 man. He just goes scene scene yeah. scene done, and you're like okay. Like people would stretch and, it out. I think other people. I'm not saying this isn't this is wrong or like just because they're not like, as talented, you mm. know, they can, they can stretch stuff out, but he just goes, no, I just need I think to do this, this and this, and I'll, it'd be exactly the same. P- part of the issue with these kind of things is that people complain that they're really long, but this movie could not have been shorter because they're already compacting this massive story that really would have, in my opinion, worked better as a TV show yeah, well, into I, a movie. That's true. Because I was thinking, I was, um, when, um, you know, like when people are like, uh, Star Wars reference, ding, 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 ding. Um, oh, here we go. The Last Jedi, people say you could cut probably 20 minutes of that and it'd be fine. Yeah. You know, people I say mean, take out stuff and stuff. Like, the, yeah, that I can look at long-ish movies and go, yeah, you could cut that because it sort of doesn't yeah. go anywhere. But for this, I was like trying to think, I was like, what could you cut to make this shorter? I don't think you could cut anything. Much. I don't think you could cut anything, really. I think I will say having... Have, Having looked, yeah, everything ties together. Having looked at it, they kind of there are a few loose, not loose threads, but in real life, this all was very interconnected. These events, and because again, it's a 
it's a basically three and a half hour movie. It it wasn't all explained and brought together as as uh, efficiently as a TV show would have brought these paths and these characters together because they did a lot of this thing where they did freeze frames explaining who the character was when they died. Oh yeah, that, kind that, of what that, their involvement great. was. Apparently, yeah, it's a great technique still, for shortening still, these this movie because it you know who they are straight away. He was still doing that up until like release. He was just still adding them. Wow, because I think like, I it was hard to find it. And it's it's kind of like jarring when you first see it, but it doesn't. It's weird, isn't it? Because it's like completely different to the rest of the film how it's presented. Yeah, but it doesn't feel out of place. Yeah, it, it kind of catches you off guard. You're like, "That's new," but it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't feel. It, they 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 make it happen very. It's a good. It's good exposition. Basically, it's you know, it's kind of veiled exposition, but. Yeah, based on the real life events, the the way this all was and the way it tied together was so complicated. And it's hard to keep even though in the movie it's hard to keep track of who everyone is and what they're doing and how this matters. Like there's yeah. talks of the the um the Kennedys. We'll get we'll get to the yeah, there's talks of the Kennedys, the Nixons, there's talks of the Italian American Civil Rights League. You're like, what does this have to do with oh, the yeah. Irishman? And some of it kind of doesn't quite get tied together quite well. But when you research these characters, you understand it's a fundamental part of their history. And that's that's what the way I see it, Scorsese did the best he could with what he was given within three and a half hours. I think I in think, an ideal world it would have been even longer, but it, that's unrealistic. You can't I, make no, a movie I more think than four hours I can, realistically. Um, I can forgive it really, because Yeah, exactly. Because well, like, Frank's yeah. not indirect directly involved in it. Is he let's face it, it's called the Irishman. He is the Irishman. Exactly. So it's his story. If he if he's not there, why would we cut away? Yeah, I mean, he, are, he might not even fully we, understand some of those events. There, that's there are scenes where show. it's not he's not in it. But he's yeah, always yeah. he's always the he's he's either like present. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's a scene with Joe Pesci and Al Pacino. But Frank's still in. Robert De Niro is still in the same room. Yeah, the way I see it, all these big events were happening, but not everything needs to be explained. We just need to know how he saw these events and how they affected. I think it him. just gives context for the, what's exactly. happening. Yeah, it, it grounds it in reality rather than just bring up gangsters and be like they were a bad person around this time. They kind of explain what they did, like that guy who orchestrated. In real life, he was accused of. Um, I forget his name. We'll we'll get to the scene, but the guy who shoots the civil rights Italian American civil rights leader, he organizes for him to be assassinated. Um, and you kind of like, well, how does that tie to the main story? But again, it's it's like it's almost like establishing a a world. Yeah, it's it's like world building essentially. Yeah, and while it not may not directly tie to the events of the movie, it 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 contextualizes everything. In a way, that's why I think it would have been better as a TV show because we would have had more time to explain, ex- explain and, and uh, convey this environment. Yeah, but, well, it's been uh, like about seventeen minutes, and we haven't actually started talking about the film. <laughs> We've just been sort of talking about what just the, general the history, stuff. yeah, whatever. But yeah, I we, think we should start with um, get on to the um, the opening scene. I want to talk about. As, as is sort of tradition for this podcast, we always talk about the opening scene. Yeah, we always talk about the opening scene and then kind of go to f- key scenes from there. I don't know why, but well, it seems well, to that, work. We are, well, because we've always picked we pick film with really good opening scenes. Yeah, there's Even, not a single film 
that uh, that we've picked that hasn't had a strong opening. So if you uh, if you want to, please write in. I'm sure we'll figure out some way for you to do that. Please yeah. send e- us even Charlie the Chocolate Factory had a strong opening. Yes, <laughs> even the Godfather yeah. Part Three. Yeah, I mean that was again the start of the end with the best part of that movie. Anyway, come on, forget about that. So, so I just want to yeah, talk about forget about so it. it's beautiful fading, beautiful just. It's not a dolly shot. It's sort of this guy, the guy walking with the camera, but it's steady and it's so perfectly choreographed. People don't, it's so natural. People are walking past and no one, and you just follow it. And it's like, it's like a specter almost like a ghost following. And then you've settled on Frank and it, it does a a 360 turn and it sets into like this, this one of the, what I would call a primary shot for the, um, for the rest of the film that we always cut back to Frank. It's like a really old guy in the home in his wheelchair and he's reminiscing yeah. and the monologue, well, it's not, it's not, it's sort of a monologue as in it's the same conversation, him recounting his entire life. Mm. It's so brilliantly performed. Like he gives like yeah, the little stammers yeah. and Robert De Niro gives stammers and, and it's lit and you feel so much like it's a actual recount of him. Like your granddad or whoever, or just like an old person going, yeah, he's not, I, he's I not sat there. I, he's not, and you, <laughs> and you, and you look, and if you look, he's not actually talking to anyone. So it's sort of like, and it's, and yeah, I was like, <laughs> when I first, um, sorry, so his, what I, I was like, wait, he's not talking to anyone. But this time when I watched it, there's a, so it's him, and it settles on him, and he's completely static, and then it does like a sort of jump like a cut into mid speech. And I think that's, that's, that's sort of an invisible transition into his internal monologues. That's what he's thinking. What he's saying is what he's thinking. It's Possibly. not actually what he's doing. I think it could also be interpreted as him talking to the guy who wrote the book. Um, maybe, I don't know. Or the priest. Yeah, really made clear. I, th- I, I like the idea of oh, a, yeah, mo- yeah. a monologue. I, it just feels more natural for me, at least anyway. Yeah. yeah. And I will say about the first shot, I liked it as a concept of them walking through the hospital. It was really well executed. Yeah, beautifully executed. Some of it was, it was obviously handheld, but some of it was a bit jerky and kind of whoop. And it felt like they had a bit of a technical error or something, because I don't know if they were using a steady cam or not, but if they were, there was something off. Well, apart from that, they had three cameras smacked onto the same rig because they had to do like the de-aging. Or aging up. Yeah, or that's probably why then, because you can definitely tell it's not as smooth as it could have been. And I didn't know whether that added charm or whether that was unintentional. I kind I of get the impression that, it was unintentional. There, there are points in the film where the same sort of like steady cam, quotation marks, steady cam is used and it walks through and it walks through scenes that it's still used. Yeah. Um, I think, I think tracking shots, that's probably the right word. I don't know. Yeah, I think the thing is about Steadicam for me is that it should be unnoticeable. It should feel natural. And in this opening, it was a strong opening. It was a really good idea, but something was off about it. It was kind of a bit wobbly, almost like an amateur film. But maybe that's because we get the three cameras. Maybe they were just figuring it out. So I don't know. I, don't know. I, th- I think because there are certain points when it is the similar, like shaky, handheld, definitely handheld uh, nature. Yeah. That is, I think it can consist- work sometimes. It's, it's consistent throughout the film. And um, I, I, this is completely off topic, but Knives Out, which we will do an episode on, fingers crossed. Yeah. 
um, I watched that and there's a brilliant bit when they oh, yeah, transition from, this, yeah. from tripod to handheld. And I think I read it was an accident, but that's a great transition. Yeah, I think Ryan Johnson on Twitter said it was an accident. The, 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 they said that the steady cam broke. Yeah. So they just had to improvise and it actually worked really well. And I think it did because it added to the chaos of the scene. But yeah, to it, me, like, this, it just, this it first just shot. kicks in the chaos. But this, I think. Yeah. The use of this that does the opposite is very calm. Like it's, you feel more like you're walking with the camera. Yeah. Because if it's a steady cam, it feels like, oh, I'm definitely, I'm like God of War looking at it, but it's very immersive. And I think that's what film does great. It's very immersive. Yeah, definitely. I like it. I like handheld in certain ways, but I could tell that there was just at one, at some points in this, they were obviously struggling or something didn't quite go right and it shook a bit too much, but. It kind of took me out of it, but I still really like it as a concept. Conceptually, it was a good idea. Yeah, it, good, I, the execution sort of, wasn't on point. It's just your personal preference, I guess. That's yeah, pretty much. And then we sort of then after that, when he sort of like goes, "Yeah, I used to paint houses." So yeah, that was my terrible Robert Robert De Niro impression. You know, he used to paint houses. Oh, can we should mention that this episode will be fifteen hours long because we're going five minutes yeah. for every minute of the film. Yeah, so, and it'll just be ninety percent of it will be us doing impressions of uh, Joe Pesci, Al Pacino, it's, and Robert it's, De Niro. It's me, Joe Pesci. That was. You think I'm funny? You think I'm a clown? <laughs> well, that's just like Brian um, Musial. Like, it's like Ned Flanders <laughs> or something. Oh, <laughs> oh how did Leo Homer? Do I amuse you? Uh, funny yeah. how? Funny how? Hey, did Leo? Anyway, um, so then, what do you like a clown? I, I I didn't notice this, but there are three. Right. The first time, I don't know why, because it's pretty obvious. But the second time, mm. I've written it here, the film is separated into three distinct eras and timelines. Era, yeah. So there's there are definitely I, time jumps. I, I define them as the rise, the fall, and the and like the the big the moment where it the rise and the fall, and then the third and then one the kind is, of regret in a way. No, I, the, well, the fall is when he's in the nursing home. So that's the fall yeah. for me. The rise is like, uh, you know, young, well, <laughs> air quotes, young Robert young, De Niro. Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, and then the big, like, the moment, it's what I called it, I've written it in my notes, the moment is when he, you know, spoilers everyone, he kills Jimmy Hoffa. That's, and that's yeah. when, you know, when he's in, that's the road trip era. That's what I call the moment era my notes anyway mm. that's when he's taking the road trip without uh, Joe P- Pesci and their wives and they go into the wed- Robert- Ray Romano's wedding to like a very younger girl I don't so- know. was he marrying her or was that his daughter that he was giving away I wasn't sure I, I, I thought he I think that I think that was his daughter though I think he was giving her away but we just never saw the groom I don't know I'm, it was so that was, it such was kind a of weird, the last thing I was, that was so such much a weird scene Cause it's like a weird, yeah. like Ray Romano is like, they made Ray Romano in, look old in prosthetics and it, up, and, and it upset me. And he's got like, the <laughs> green, I don't want to see Ray Romano. He's, he's got the greasy hair and he's like really jowly and he's walking in slow-mo and the, and the, the bride, I thought she looked a bit uncomfortable. I was like, yeah, I'd be uncomfortable. I was married him. Yeah. 
Um, I couldn't. T- I, I couldn't tell if it was his daughter, so I'm not sure. But it's it still felt uncomfortable. All the guys in the aisle were like leering at her, like, yeah. Oh, did you see that? Like, they were all like, Fuh. No, stop looking at my daughter slash wife. Robert De Niro is completely deadpan because he's just murdered someone. <laughs> he's just like a <laughs> PTSD. He's just like murdered oh. his best friends, and he just sees you know everybody loves Raymond come shuffling in. No, <laughs> looking like uh, you know, gotta get married. <laughs> Looking yeah, like bro. number five on the on the neighborhood watch list. <laughs> it's true. Everybody loves Raymond. I don't know why my Ray Romero anyway, sounds like Kirby. <laughs> so yeah. the three the three eras, I think they were really well defined visually. Yeah. Like like um when he's real, like, really, yeah. when he's real when he's really old, you know, he's in prison, he's in the home. That's very desaturated. You know, like all the life's been cut, sucked out. But the 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 furthest back time point when he's young, well, quote unquote, young. Um, that's very vibrant and bright and very sat, more saturated. And then sort of the one in the middle where he kills Hoffa, and that's sort of his, you know, that's sort of yeah. his um act two, you know, crisis. And then there's the fall. It's very subtle. They they change the world based on his mental kind of well being. <laughs> Because at first he joins, when he first joins the mafia life, it's all bright and colorful and slightly, again, glorified. The visuals and the era is glorified in his mind. And as soon as he starts to fall, it becomes a lot more gray and dark. And yeah. The, the palette becomes more brown and desaturated. Yeah. Um, but one thing I'll say about the structure of this movie is I love it that it's just like, it's somewhat convoluted and like Russian nesting dolls in a way. Cause you got a story inside a story inside a story, but it works. It's well, crafted really well, but it's strange, isn't it? Because he's not, I don't think he's directly reminiscing uh, the road trip of Russell where he goes and kills Jimmy. No, I think no, he's reminiscing his whole life, but for some reason it works that that's, it, it's that's, weird. That's in the middle. Yeah, he's sat in the nursing home recounting this, so that's good. That's a great way to get exposition by. He without recounts, it feeling unnatural. What, what he recounts is the him, you know, becoming a criminal. And yeah, then, it's and weird then, because and then it stops um, for the road trip. There's no monologue for that, and then it's it's odd. Bit, it's like then it's it goes like there's linear two, towards the end. Yeah, like the, the, it's like this. The you kind of third. forget that there's two points of reference or two what you would consider modern days because at first you think okay the modern day is he's this old guy in a thing and we're looking at the past but then when yeah. it goes to the road trip stuff in your in your head that's the focal point of the story and you kind of forget that he's sat in a nursing home because it's he's recounting the past from there as well yeah so it's kind of like this this inception of of it, remembering his past, but it works really well. It works a lot. I think that's down to the editing because they always put it in the yeah. right point. And, and I can't for the life of me remember her, the name of Martin Scorsese's regular editor. I don't know if she did this, but I, I think she did. Right. Thelma or oh, something. Is it that? Oh God, I can't. Uh, please uh, <laughs> feel free to yell at me in the uh, comments. Yes. Or whatever. Leave a review and just say one star. Alex couldn't remember <laughs> so and so. One star. Never watch. Listen to again. Um, but she, she's very subtle and she's a brilliant editor. She's she she says editing 
People say editing is what you can see. She says it's not what it's what you can't see, and that's so true. Yeah, like, yeah. Edit a cut from. I mean, I'm very I'm guilty of this. I made a film relatively recently, a few month, a couple months ago, and oh well, that was me being ill prepared, I guess. But um, right. but she but her cuts anyway. They like they're so subtle, like they just feel so natural, and and that's yeah, and and I think. That in a that's just for scenes, you know, cuts between like from a I, mid I will to say a close would, up. But for this, it's yeah, just on the two, whole, it's really great. Definitely, I think for a three and a half hour movie, it's all perfect. There were only two shots that made me go, "Huh?" Two cuts, sorry, that made me go, "What?" Um, in the entire thing, but they what, kind of what, took me do out. Do you know of what it. they are? Because um, yeah, uh, let's see. I had them written down somewhere. One was where, um. I think it's after Pacino gets out of prison. He's in his apartment. Yeah. And he says something like he's ranting about something. And then it cuts. It doesn't cut away. It cuts to a close up of him, but he's in, he's standing in a different spot in his living room, but the dialogue from the previous shot continues over, but his mouth doesn't move. And then his mouth starts moving again over the dialogue. It was weird. Um, I didn't know. I, I got the impression that they had to cut around something, or it was an inconvenience, so that they got something wrong. I don't know. Um, I don't. I, that, that, I, that I don't remember me. that. But I'm. I'm very like. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't I, very noticeable. But. I'm. I'm quite broad strokes. I'm not very much of a details person yeah. when I'm watching something. At least it was kind of. Like, he was just ranting. He was like, Ugh. and then the last word before the last word, it cuts to a different shot of him in a close up, but he's moved positions, and then his mouth stops moving, but then a word comes out of his mouth from the previous shot it's weird um and there's also a scene where you know when pacino's been to that meeting with uh tony pro oh that that scene the, i watched a video yeah, of it this, great. this morning just to like pre- yeah. prep and it was just like such a great <laughs> scene uh but stephen graham who's a great actor english yeah. from liverpool represent we're not from Liverpool. well from the but, north uh, well yeah near enough close enough he's in a He's, he's. I was like, how did this guy get in? But I, he's fantastic in it. Tony Pro is like, yeah. I was surprised to see him in it, and I was surprised at how how much he fit the role of an Italian mob <laughs> yeah. boss. Like it was kind of. <laughs> well, is yeah, he a mob boss? Because he says he's head of the union or co-head or something like that. Um, it's, it's confusing. I don't think, we, we don't. Need I think to. he is a mob boss because I looked up the real guy. Um, I'm not sure where, I know he's where a, he stood with the he's union. He's a mob, uh, mob guy. Oh, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. He was pretty really influential. He's just, we he just was one of the few that actually guy. kind of survived. Yeah, he, he actually survived and just died of old age, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike many of them. But um, there was a scene after that meeting where Pacino's like, he's complaining about him to Frank and he goes, just deal with him. And they don't linger on it. As soon as Pacino finishes that last word, it cuts straight away. Like that, and that felt a bit jarring. So I was like, "Wait, what?" Something. I just, think maybe that's supposed to be like a like a bang. Now, just deal with him. Burr, yeah, away. I kind of got the impression that's what they were trying to do, but then it went to a quite a tame scene, so it didn't work for me. But again, Robert, like, Robert oh, De- three and a half hour Robert, movie. Robert De Niro doing his washing or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't that's, know. That's I just that's I expected it film. to be something impactful, <laughs> you know, or him just shooting someone, or dealing with something, or punching someone. I don't know. It, that kind of cut implies that something powerful's coming next and it kind of cut really quickly but then went to quite a slow scene again but i, I think that just comes down to 
to personal preference again. So yeah, of a three and a half hour movie, I can't complain that much. Like yeah. it, most of it was seamless and kind of, and the, just the overall way it was edited and all put together is kind of just genius in a way. So it's like masterful. It's like, yeah. So I can't complain. <laughs> they did um, a better job than I ever could. Did you notice this? I've really noticed this time around watching it, how quiet the film is mm. like how, how like, yeah, not, not no like music. Uh, maybe I'll just I mean, turn but... my speakers up. Uh, no, it was, um, you know what I mean? Like, like even like the sound effects, like everything was quite like quiet. Well, everyone, everyone was... got out and then dialogue seems very intimate and the music wasn't like, you know, like Frank Sinatra, big band swinging everything like, like it is in Goodfellas. It was very like, yeah, I like know, that there are distinct sections that, when the drama's happening, when the speech is happening, there's no music in an attempt to enhance what's happening on screen. It's all yeah. silent. But then the music is used in things like montages really well. And it's another thing I really like about the editing and the sound design. They cut out the music at certain points in the movie, just really abruptly. But it really works. Like when um, Frank sat down with Whiskers, or Whispers, Whispers, that's the one. Um, yeah. And he's talking about burning down the lawn, the laundry place. Yeah, and he goes, it's it it concerns me or something, and then the music, some kind of jazz swing music is playing, and it just stops, and he says, now when someone says concerning, it means it's a big problem, and he kind of does this little bit of a monologue, and then it just continues, and it kind of emphasizes, oh yeah, yeah the yeah, fact yeah. that that like this is a big problem, and there's another part in the movie where it does the exact same thing, um, when Hoffa's wife is scared of being assassinated, and she turns oh, the yeah, key yeah. in the car because there's, a, there's that this little music and it just blowing up. There's that little montage of him yeah. blowing up cars beforehand and you're like, bang, bang, bang. And then like, and you think she's going to die and it goes and it's so, and it's really tense. And I was like, that is how you do a moment. It doesn't even fade out or echo out or anything. It's just, da, 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 da. she turns the key silence. Yeah. And, and, and she pictures the explosion in her head and you actually get to see it on screen, which I thought was quite cool, but with no yeah. sound, no, just a silent visual of an explosion. And she closes her eyes and then the music continues. So I really like the use of music and the, really, and the music and silence in this movie. That moment's just reminded me. Should we just quickly talk about the performances of yes, everyone? Yes, definitely. Because I thought everyone in this film is fantastic. Oh Even, yeah, yeah. There, there wasn't a single performance that I could now. Draw. You know, um, the lady who pay, played Peggy, uh, the daughter um, who like doesn't oh, speak yeah, yeah. for like the whole film. She has one line. Yeah, no, it's, it's like one sensible daughter that actually realizes Frank's kind of a horrible well, everyone, guy. Everyone sort of, everyone <laughs> sort of realized, but she was the one that was like took it the hardest, I guess. Anyway, but yeah. people there were a lot of complaints, like they wasted this actress, and they said, "But I, I, I didn't mind." I mean, yeah. it's like, I, I didn't mind. I didn't mind. Wasted? No, because I think it's more impactful that it's a silent story. Yeah. It's, it's always her just looking and then like them having these sort of moments where they like they 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 like their their brains sort of like connect and you're like what? Yeah, the fact that she doesn't speak is more powerful than her just say to her dad, I don't like you or I hate you. Yeah, like you've ruined my life or whatever, you know. She, yeah, she's playing the long game and she's kind of wearing him down slowly, like I don't approve of you. She just gives him these looks. Yeah. Um which makes it all the more painful when she starts getting along with Hoffa because you get to see her true colors there. She gets to be a kid again, but well, whenever she's like, around her father, she, she, she's clearly like 
angry she doesn't like Russell or Joe Pesci. Exactly, yeah. But with Jimmy, so I, I love that. Or Al Pacino, I love the use like, of silence. Yeah, of no dialogue. And, and then there's only one. Yeah. She only has like one line, I think, where, where this is after. I like when we said we're going to go in order, but we're not. We're just going all over the place. No. <laughs> Hopefully you can follow yeah. along if you've watched. I mean, if film. we went in order and covered every scene, good Lord, we'd be here forever. I think we just have to talk about the things that we liked, really. Yeah. Specific, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I mean, if, if, if people haven't watched the film, I mean, you can just yeah. either skip to the other half of the show or, you know, take our running yeah. endorsement. I don't know. Um, so but there are spoilers so yeah spoilers well we do have said like we've already twat- spoiled yeah we've already ruined the main plot of the movie anyway um i think there's some just um yeah al pacino first time he's ever worked with martin scorsese really yeah like wow. this big ass i surely he's worked with him but apparently not yeah that wow i guess it's just one of those things that's crazy. Uh, I just, then this yeah, is like it makes probably, sense now, but I never the first thought time, about it that way. And it was when, and it's it was twenty two years since, um, Robert De Niro and uh, Martin Scorsese had worked together. The last film they did was wow. Casino in nineteen ninety five. Like, because like That's they're brilliant. like they're like the big two. <laughs> like they make the best movies together. You know, Taxi Driver, King of Comedy. Yeah. Um, let's just move on to. Um, I want to talk about Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro and their relationship in this film. Mm. What um, do you think? I think I, what really made me laugh was um, their first scene together where it's like uh, Robert De Niro, uh, the 20-year-old, 40-year-old man who is a yeah. you know, truck driver, truck breaks down, you know, it, it's like the guy looks about fifty or f- late forties, and the guy and Joe Pesci shuffles up to him and goes, "Hey, young man." Yeah, and I was like, I, "Wow, how like?" Come I don't on, know guys. if that was a de aging or whether they did it on purpose because in the war scenes they did the de aging, making him look like in his twenties actually really well. But it, yeah, just the, the same. Just the same that making he's those guys the body of an eight year old man. Yeah, that's the problem with de aging. They can de age the face, but they still have those nuances and slight movements of that show age. Unfortunately, so it'll never be perfect. They could in I an ideal know, world, you'd have, why, you'd have like, doubles. Just, just recast. Just get a guy that looks like a young Robert De Niro, young Joe Pesci. Yeah. And I get like, I get like, oh, they're not, they're not in it. Well, what's the point then? It's a Robert De Niro film. Why is he not in it then? Well, it's like I think you could make the young bit. I'm glad like, they did in it. Goodfell- in, I'm glad in Goodfellas that uh, yeah. they have the teenager, and then they and then like for like twenty, like what we'll like twenty minutes, and then and they seamlessly age him up to Ray Liotta, and they look really. It's really like quite a good comparison between the two of them i think i'm glad they use this technology even though it was occasionally jarring most of the time it didn't bother me um it was kind of it it was impressive most of the time, it i found it very because, impressive um, it's and not it doesn't bother me because they're not doing most of the time they're just talking yeah exactly they're not doing like that like, but then there are like scenes where like robert de niro you know is supposed to be like what 30 or 35 or 40 and he's beating up that guy in yeah the, the, the scene the grocery store that was definitely everyone's seen this yeah 
his his hands are like seized up and he's like just like loosely kicking him yeah i did i did i definitely get that kind of it even though he's supposed to be 30 40 beating up this grocery store owner and like breaking his foot he didn't move like a 30 or 40 year old he didn't actually step on his yeah. foot I and that's not like a complaint to them is because you know you, you get you get older you can't you, you it's just a fact you, yeah, you don't course, move like, like you did 40 years ago but unfortunately that shows and it's just kind of a it, yeah it shows but to be fair it's like yeah it's but it's momentary like, and like i don't a, mind it's like really. a, it's like a t- it's a two minute scene in a three exactly. hour film it? Yeah. it doesn't take away it just shows that's that's what i kind of wrote down about the de-aging is that on the whole, I'm glad they used it because it was a big step forward the whole for VFX. Fantastic, and it's great that yeah, we, it's great that we can have these actors for as much time as Did we you? do. Like I, even though recasting might have been more believable, it was yeah, it was nice to have these people portray characters again and almost be the whole, the whole way through. Yeah, the whole way through, not just for an hour of a three hour movie. They actually got to be in it and act in it. It's quite nice. Um, there are so, definitely some moments where you can tell it's there, either because of the actor's performance underneath it and the way they're moving, or sometimes it'll get a little digity and digit. It'll look a little digital, and the lighting's not quite right. And I think my, what I said, I, was I didn't kind really of, notice. I was going, I was, I was going to say like they really use the lighting very cr- well. Like oh, definitely on the whole, definitely like like because like if you if you're in like if you're outside in a, on a really bright day then and it's all cgi it's like a facial re- then it definitely shows a lot more because there's like the light is so complex but because they're in like quite shadowy rooms with like very specific lights yeah it it doesn't show do- as much and that's 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 just like great for your face i don't even like criticizing this because i like the amount of work that goes into making this real it's is a, astounding it, so it makes me feel bad because there's always going to be some cases where it's not where it gets a bit uncanny valley um, but, did you like? Um, I didn't think there was too much. Where I was like, I, would, I didn't go. Oh, look! It's a uh, Robert De Niro or Joe Pesci or Al Pacino. Al Pacino was the one that held up the best. I think I agree with that. The, he he held up the best, but one of his scenes was the. On the whole, Pacino's the one where he slams the, the desk. Uh, no, it's the one where he's at the podium. There's he has the. It works best on him, but for some reason, the one scene where it irked me the most was also him, and that's where he's. He's at a rally and he's at a podium and the lighting's yeah. kind of, I, I don't think the lighting's off, but because on this podium, he has a light on his face because he's reading from a script. It draws more focus to his face, which makes us notice it more. And also the fact that Pacino is so expressive, like he's so, th- he moves his face and acts so powerfully that I feel like the technology so, can't keep up. <sighs> yeah. Like, solidarity he just starts screaming and he's so expressive and i don't think we're at the stage where these computers can actually create movements these these big powerful human emotions realistically yet you know in the subtle scenes where they're kind of talking and chatting and do subtle face movements it works really well but when they're really going for it the computer it's almost like the computer can't keep up in a way i know that's simplifying it because it's more complicated yeah. than the computer can't keep up, but the technology's not there yet. So on those scenes where they and get think, really expressive, it feels like they're being masked by CGI, and I don't like that really because it, it gets a bit PS2 graphicy in that scene. <laughs> but only for that scene. I'd, I'd like I said, I'm I'm very broad strokes when I watch a film. I'm like 
I like this. And I don't, I, mean, I never noticed these like inconsistencies. Mm. It's the same with games as well. I've never, people are like, oh, the graphics are terrible. Yeah. It's like, I've never been able to notice. Probably because I wear glasses and my eyes are <laughs> screwed. I don't know. For some reason to me, the best uses of the DAG was during World War II. Ironically, the younger De Niro looked the more, the, the youngest De Niro in the movie think, looked the most believable. For me, it was weird. For, for me, I was definitely like, okay. Yeah. It looks fine. The de-aging looks fine, but it's the physicality, which I don't like. But yeah. then when they get older to the old, yeah, I was like, this you is can't absolutely tell. brilliant. Like, I got to the point where I was like, is that the real De Niro? Is he up-aged or down-aged there? I couldn't tell, which is which just shows how great He's it up, is. They're up in the prison and from the that point onwards to the end of the film, it's all up. I think it's up-aged with um, yeah. you know, extra like hair, prosthetic dyed hair and stuff. Like and it's just the the performances coupling it are brilliant. Joe Pesci when he's shaking, when he's got the yeah, he's had a stroke, he's had a and stroke. He's, yeah, he's, he's got his arm. And you're like, up. oh, that is absolutely brilliant. And apparently, it was only just them three: Pacino, Pesci, and De Niro who um would had the digital stuff on them. Everyone else was just prosthetic. Yeah, I did notice that. I was like, so I guess that was. I mean, like I, think I would do. I would. I would do that for her because um you know. Yes, yeah, so it lowers your workload a lot. Oh yeah, def- definitely. Um, Especially if you're not using markers and stuff. Yeah, it's like UV lenses and stuff. Good lord! Like, but yeah, that's what the three cameras were for. I was like, oh <laughs> my crazy. god! Because like, I think one one filmed it, right. and then one got lighting reference with a UV camera, huh? For a model, and then another one did maybe the same thing for something else, but. I was like, it's crazy. But I saw you could look at the behind the scenes and it's like, you see these massive rigs and it became just because of that, it became like his most expensive, ambitious project. Cause he's got, he's got the he's got him. He's got to direct these three lens cameras that are just swinging around this quite enclosed set. And I was like, I mean, yeah, oh. props to him for embracing new technology. I always love it when directors and the creative embracing the Marvel movies, is he? Well, I don't know. I'm kind of with him there, but I'm so, uh, um, I'm, so uh, I'm so annoyed. Hate some Martin Scorsese. Actually, can we just stop this episode? I've just remembered that he hates Marvel movies. I I uh, I don't dislike Marvel movies, but he, I I will say he has a point. <laughs> Save it for the Avengers Endgame episode, which I've committed but, to now. Yeah, the DAG overall. I'm glad they embraced it. I'm glad they used it. I'm glad it was able to forward VFX. It's like the prequels. Sure, it didn't. It's not even on that level because oh. it was ding 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 ding, yeah. ding 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 ding. It was brilliantly used in this movie, and I don't regret them using it at all. And I don't even care that sometimes it looks slightly off because yeah. it's expected. It's a new. It's new. It's you know. I never been done before. What if it has in like a, one scene for like three minutes? Yeah, I not can, for I, a three-hour movie. I can't complain at all. Like it was ast- most in most cases, it was astounding and it was seamless. And I actually forgot it was there most of the time. There were a couple of moments where you, you get taken out of it, but other than that, I mean, yeah. Like if they were to so do a second one, through, it would be flawless. I think almost. Should we just go through the um, the three main guys? Yeah. So I, I think we'll start with Joe Pesci, who plays like. The po- complete polar opposite to every other gangster yeah. he's played. I mean, the other two. I love in, um, that. Goodfellas, in Goodfellas and Casino, he's like, he's the guy who's like, I'm going to kill you. Well, everyone knows the funny, funny how. Funny like, like a, a clown, like, like, like a clown, like a mule. Yeah. Yeah, like that one. And he's like, 
you, I, I'm going to kill you. And he like beats a guy up to death with a gun or whatever. Mm. With like, <laughs> but in this, he's Dang, like spider. And he shoots spider, a kid. He's like, Oh my God. Yeah, shoot, the guy's unhinged in most, yeah. In most of his movies. And he's then the, same, the same in, the same in casino as well, which is like, even in home alone, he's, he plays a slightly crazy criminal uh, Like in every, <laughs> like, you know, so yeah. what a pick. <laughs> anyway. Um, but then you have this one. He's very like people. He's just feared on wood. He's very much like the uh, Don. Yeah, he reminded Russell. me a lot of Vito in this movie. Like, um, like people go to Russell for a thing. Definitely. You know and, what I found fascinating is this guy was like Vito Corleone in real life, Russell Buffalino. So I think yeah. he must have been the inspiration for Vito in some way, which is why he's so similar. Because it turns out you know the guy who played um. Uh, what are oh, the? I completely forgot his name. Johnny Fontaine in The Godfather. The guy who Johnny played Fontaine. him was called uh, the, oh, the yeah. guy who sings at the weddings. Um, Al Martino oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. was given the role of Johnny Fontaine. Uh, but when yeah. Coppola became director of um, The Godfather, they he he took him he took the role away and gave it to a guy called Vic Damone. So Martino yeah. went to Russell Buffalino, who was his godfather. Hoping that he would get Coppola to change his mind. No. Yeah, and I was like, this no is way. this is uncanny. <laughs> Literally, what happens in the movie of this guy being like, Godfather, get me in this movie, happened in real life. And the guy he went to was pretty much the real life Vito Corleone. Oh my God. So that blew my mind. So Russell is essentially Vito Corleone in real life. So that's, because I, I looked him up, I was like, this guy's really similar to Vito in his portrayal. And I looked up this story. Um, about Al Martino, and apparently that's what happened. So, um, wow. And then eventually Martino got it because the guy who was cast in his place didn't want to get involved with the mob, and he thought he was paid too little yeah. anyway. So <laughs> he just kind of stepped down. Once that with a barge pole, yeah. And another guy in this movie, Joseph Colombo, who was um, you know the guy Is who he was... related to uh, TV's own Colombo, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Peter Falk, his brother. Um, but the. You know the guy who was shot in this movie at the Italian American Civil Rights Rally? Uh yeah. In that slow-mo. I love that scene, the slow-mo with the like Hawaiian almost fifties music playing over it. I love that. And like, like ten people grabbing the guy. Yeah. That guy in real life, Joseph Colombo, by the way, he survived that shooting. He was paralyzed for years afterwards. I don't know how he survived. Oh, right. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. But he because he was part of the Italian American civil rights movement. He was he was also yeah. had links to the mob and stuff. He was displeased with Hollywood's portrayal of Italian Americans. So they, when The Godfather was doing test shoots, they kind of um, caused trouble a bit because um, they came swanning they, in. Yeah, because they were basically displeased Sorry, with how Hollywood were portraying all Italian Americans as essentially gangsters and criminals. Yeah. So you know, this guy was like, "I don't like this." So the producer actually sat down with him, and um. They talked it over, and the day he was shot, they were filming the end of The Godfather a few blocks away. <laughs> so I was like, "This the way this movie ties into real life and like movies well, and The Godfather is crazy." That's what that's what, that's what he does for his um his gangster films. Like The yeah. Godfather is completely fictional, but um, Goodfellas is based on a true story. Yep, Casino is all. I think I think Casino is also based on a true story. Yeah, I would be surprised if it wasn't. And then this is also based, they're all based on books by mobsters and yeah. true stories. So that's why they have a bit more degree of realism. 
Exactly. You feel a bit more like, oh my God. But I kind of just went down this rabbit hole of being like, oh my God, two of the characters who appear in this movie are directly linked to The Godfather, which I thought was pretty neat. And so we talk about, do I talk about Al Pacino or um, Robert De Niro? I think, well, my final thoughts on Pesci were, because I, I went off rambling about the real life oh, Russell yeah. Buffalino, but um, I basically, to put it simply, it was great to see um, Pesci in a, in a different role. It was great to see him yeah, in, the, in the calm, collected gangster role. And he did it so well. And I think it's a, a sin that he didn't get the best supporting actor. Yeah, I mean, good Lord, he was brilliant I don't, I don't in know, this. I don't know who did. I don't know who did, but I, I don't know. I didn't deserve it more than him. But I'd say the case for all three of these characters, uh, maybe not so much De Niro. He kind of played the De Niro character, but Al Pacino yeah. and... Um, Pesci both got to play kind of characters they normally wouldn't. Different, different characters. Yeah, it was, it was great Alpacino's, to see. He's, he's the gangster, isn't he? Yeah, and in this one, he's the good guy, in a way. He's, well, not, well, he's, he's he's, not a good he's guy, guy, but he's a... He's the guy who's got connections. He's just... Yeah. Well, I mean, he's Jimmy Hoffa, he's a real guy. He's, so. the, he's the slightly corrupt, upstanding citizen, but he's not quite fully yeah. evil. He's just... Because he has good intentions. Um, yeah. But it was great it's to see because, these veterans of the silver screen take on something different so late wow. in their career. You're just you're just coming out with all the great little I mean, little yeah. like titles. Oh yeah, student of cinema, student of cinema, veteran, veteran of the silver. It's screen. true though. They've been in so many movies, and especially Pacino and Pesci have and, uh, De Niro as well. They all kind of play their archetypes, and it was so nice to see them yeah. divert from that um, for once and so well, late in their career. I think, De Niro less so. Yeah, definitely. He but he, he, but I think, he very much I think, played a De Niro character. But. No, but I think what makes it different for me, at least, is because we get to see what happens next. Because normally it's like they die young, but this guy lives. Oh yeah, you get to see his whole story. We never see that um, in one movie. Yeah. Normally, normally, normally it's like you know, in Goodfellas, Joe Pesci gets murdered, mm. and you're like, oh yeah, of course the guy who kills like millions of people. Will not millions, obviously, but kills tens of people, you know, will die. Yeah, they, they go the Vito and Michael way, where they die of old age, and you get to see the effects of the mafia on their life. They don't just go out in a blaze of glory without regrets. You get to see how this yeah. plays on their mind for years after they've left that life behind, which I, I think leads to some really powerful storytelling. But I guess we'll get I to that. I think just Pacino, Pacino is just so charismatic in this role. You're just like... Yeah. He he with brings a that you charge with a knife you run. I love that's that. My, that's in fact, I put together some of my favorite quotes of him in this movie. If I can find them in my five-page document. <laughs> um, oh, here we go. Oh. If there's one person you can't trust in this life, it's millionaires' kids. I love that line. Oh yeah, well, that's true. It is so true. true. Like Trump, Kennedy, all these politicians, you know, slightly corrupt and slightly, and um, he's right. Like. They're all just rich kids, spoiled rich kids. They're never going to forgive me for giving. Mo- they're never going to forgive yeah. me for giving money to Nixon. And I love that they don't just take sides. They're not like Kennedy's the greatest, Nixon's the greatest. They expose both of them. They show Nixon playing golf with a mob boss. It's great. <laughs> yeah, like it, it does the same as The Godfather. It just exposes the man and the system. Well, I I didn't really know that the Kennedys were like a bit dodgy. Oh yeah, they're not. They weren't. Per- that's what I. That's one of my big gripes with them they're painted as these perfect people because they had i agree with a lot of their beliefs but good lord that family was like some of the things that family were involved in was questionable to me like um apparently uh 
the guy who died of a stroke, the one that Pacino called an eggplant because he was a vegetable. <laughs> he was like, what is he? He had a stroke and now he's turned into an eggplant. I love that line. <laughs> um, he he's he's obviously Kennedy's father, and apparently he lobotomized his daughter and left her like basically a, as a vegetable. And I was like, good lord, because anyway, she had mental illness. What a lovely. So yeah, what a lovely note. I, I love to, uh, part of this podcast. <laughs> I love that. I just love the way it doesn't take political sides. It's just like no, they're all as bad as each other. <laughs> well, I like how when when it's Kennedy's assassination mm. and. Uh, Pacino's like you can tell he's like, kind of like he's, yeah. he, he he wants to go yes yeah he's like get him mate he's just eating, was he, 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 he just go, he just goes back and sits eating, eating his, his ice cream, cream. he loves ice cream. cream I love that they added that weird character quote where he loves ice cream and hot dogs and I think that added to a lot to his character his um well, there's a, I I was watching the the same video where I was like about the um the Tony Pro scene which is we'll talk about that in a minute yeah. Um, there's when they're in prison and apparently this is all improvised that he just when he smacks the ice cream away as soon as he finishes <laughs> and then grabs him by the neck and starts beating well that that actually like when Martin Scorsese said cut yeah um, Al Pacino went to Stephen Graham well you scared me really well kid you, you scared me I was frightened jeez imagine well, do doing that to Pacino <laughs> imagine being kind of a lesser known actor and having to do that to Pacino. I, I can't. <laughs> well, well, he, well he, apparently he had to psych himself up. Wow. I, I, I don't blame so him. He, he read, he read, he read it and he was like, I need to, this would make it so much, this would make it real, a really good scene. And he like, had to psych himself up. But he was like, and he, and he waited till the last take and then he just did it. And, and Marty, Marty, as everyone calls him, was just like, yeah, yeah, do that, do that. That's brilliant. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. I mean, yeah, on the, that, on the subject that. of Pacino, I think he was my favorite character in this, in this movie because he's portrayed as larger than life. He doesn't say, you know, yeah. he, he doesn't, he stands for his morals. He won't shift. Even if his life depends on it, he will not give in to something he doesn't believe in, which which plays to his character of a union boss. Like, he won't, he's, he's sticking it to the man. And in the end, he sticks it to the wrong people. You know, he yeah, sticks he it to the, the man, he sticks he it to the like, government, he hates the government, he hates uh, kind of the companies that rob people of good wages, and then he tries to stick it to the mafia and it all backfires. So I like that arrogance that he has. He is the um, the union, like, inner guy. Yeah, he's he's basically, yeah, he won't say, he's not scared of the government, he's not scared of the mafia. He'll He'll say what needs to be said. That's why I liked him as a character. That's what he says. That's what he says in when Robert De Niro tries to, um, yeah, like talk him out of like getting killed. He just goes, "I'm going to say what I'm going to say." I loved his line when it's he was me. talking to Niro in that scene. He goes, "Who wears shorts?" He's <laughs> like, "What?" I, this guy comes Who over talking. To, this guy he comes over talking to me about his woes and his problems. I just want to finish eating my ice cream. I love that scene. Anyway. Great. Should we talk about the uh, the little confrontation with Tony Pro, which is probably like the best? I love scene. that. Yeah, and and he goes, "I never waited more than ten minutes, <laughs> yeah, in my life." And he says it like so. He goes, "My, my life, my life." Yeah, <laughs> he has this my life. just these weird intonations to his voice that make his performance so great. I love it. It's so memorable in my life. And yeah, and then like, and then Robert De Niro like this is improvised apparently. Mm. He just goes, eh, 12 and a half. I love that. 
15. I, it was such a, there's so many, there's many moments in this movie where you kind of like, it's that New York, hey, mafia conversation, kind of like they do in Seinfeld. It's slightly comedic. And when they're talking about the traffic, I love yeah. it. It was like 10 minutes, you're no good. 10 minutes, uh, you're done. No, I'd say 15. Well, let's just call it 12 and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's so, it's so New York Italian. And everyone, and everyone's, everyone's like, everyone's like, yeah, yeah, let's go with that. And then like, that's the, that's the issue is ended at that point. And then they, then they, then it just like yeah, goes. I just love those interactions. And then it just snaps, and they're like pounced on each other. You know, <laughs> Pacino's just like nope. But yeah, it's almost like Seinfeld because uh, it's it's basically an exaggerated version of how these gangsters and especially New Yorkers kind of converse. It's a cultural thing, you know. And and I yeah. love the back and forth that it has. I love that kind of dialogue, and I love the way they do it in this movie where it's almost comedic, like when he talks to uh, the English union people. Boss. Um, it's yeah. like how English people say every phone call you have, you like your relatives. Yeah. You have your dinner. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's, it's two o'clock in the afternoon, grandma. Yeah. In England, we have all these like set, uh, like when you get in a taxi, how long are you on till? <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah. You've been busy. You've been busy. You can't help it. There's all these weird formalities. It's, yeah. It's, but it's just great to if, if, if someone bumps into you, you have to apologize. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. I'm so guilty of that. I, yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, do we but just- yeah, I just love the way that um that that dialogue that back and forth is used in this movie to lighten the mood a little in these very tense situations, which I liked. Like when De Niro confronts no, the union, not the union boss, the Italian American rights, the guy who's against it, who gets shot in the cafe. Yeah. Um. He does the same thing with him, where he's like, "Okay, just calm down. It doesn't mean anything." He's like, "Yeah, it doesn't mean anything." Like you know, it's that. It's charming. He goes get the. F- he goes get out of here. Like yeah, like, yeah. Like, mobstery thing and part of me is like i can't tell if this is just stereotypical but it's like it it just works because it's i don't know it's just so charming and kind of i don't know it's it's well, a trope um, but it works now we're over an hour into our conversation oh, good lord sorry if you bored yeah, out your mind i can't i Should already know i knew this episode we finally to finally talk about um robert de niro the irishman himself yes we haven't really talked much about him yeah, definitely. Um, ironically, he's my least favorite we can, character. We can, we, can wrap, we can wrap it up, maybe. I don't know, after we talked about him. Yeah, I mean, um, I think I've covered all the bases. I mean, there's, uh, there's, so much, there's so much to talk about. We just yeah. have to basically say what we liked about the film, and we do like it. It is great. You should go and watch it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I think this is but, a good um, place to Robert kind of... De Niro. I think we should talk about De Niro, and especially the ending of the movie and his... his um, yeah. Because he's that's it. It's his part, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is the, this is the most powerful part of the movie, even though it's full. Not as not got the spectacle. The, it's the only, bit of him. It's only half an hour. Yeah, it's wow. Well. That's crazy. Like this stuff is um, it's my favorite part of the movie. Really, the stuff of him dealing with death. Yeah, definitely. And um, regret. Um, but the final thing I want to talk about with um, in fact, we'll we'll talk about De Niro, and then we can cover his big mistake in a way and then his decline i guess yeah, yeah, yeah. but this episode's definitely gonna be a so, longer so it's so it's pretty by the numbers you know up until he kills jimmy like yeah, yeah he's a mob guy he kills people i think you know he took he's chucking guns in rivers and stuff i liked his... i love the bit where it's like you would if you went if someone put a scuba team down in that river yeah. and <laughs> had enough weapons to arm a small country i don't know if i like them it, actually it showing it down yeah, I didn't know if I liked them showing it because it kind of was like, was I, a, I, was, I, I was willing to take his word for it. That was CGI. 
Yeah, I could definitely tell. I didn't like that shot. And I was like, oh, being that's good. Yeah, they didn't I, show I don't it. Like the, I, don't, I don't like camera moves which aren't possible, if you know what I mean. Like, Yeah, I get You yeah. know when like, you have like those weird CGI like, roller coaster shots in some points? If it's not grounded, I'm just yeah. like, okay, I definitely know this isn't real. I felt like I could have taken his word for it. That shot kind of felt unnecessary. But yeah. whatever. Um, the one thing I really liked about Frank is that he's an older guy. And he reminded me well, a lot. Well... It's very strange because you don't know how old he is. They don't actually say, I'm 26. Mm, I think... Because I just like, I go like 39 at the very start. Yeah, that's what I'd say. But then but then he's, I don't think he is because I think he's about 20. Well, I read online that Frank Sheeran served in the war in the in, when he's mid-20s. So he would have been about 30, late 30s. But in the time of the fifties, he got them kids in. He got he got them kids in quite late then. Yeah, yeah. But I couldn't tell if that was the de aging not being as effective, or whether he genuinely was an older person by that time. So, yeah. But but Necky um, binned his wife off, and they just like completely just gloss over it. Yeah, that that was really never, bothered never me. see her again. I didn't. I was like, okay, fair enough. But then I was like. Okay, so we're never going to see the like the the first wife ever again, and the kids just like flock over to him because they like the stepmom. So I was like, yeah, enough. with Frank leaving his wife, it did feel very abrupt to me. There was no conflict established, not even a single argument. She barely even spoke a word even to in, him. Even in Goodfellas, they have like the bit where, yeah, you know, and um, oh, what was the other film? Is it The Godfather? Yeah, no, um, no, it's not. It's not. Well, he Michael leaves. Okay, but that's kind of different. No, it's it's casino. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, ah, yeah. right. This is there's a scene similar in, like they go, like he gets a new wife, and it's like, well, yeah, this would happen because mm. he. Oh, actually, I'm getting there's loads of mine. Scorsese, Wolf of Wall Street. This also <laughs> oh, yeah, happens yeah. as well. What I'll say about this is, up until this point, Frank as a character felt very. Not honourable, because in the end, he's killing people for money. He's a horrible human being. Yeah, exactly. He's a horrible man. But, but he's so, but he's so subdued. Because, yeah, he's like, not. He's so like by the numbers. The biggest you don't the, you don't clock it. That's yeah, the, I, the that's best comparison I, really I can think by. is is uh, Mike Ehrmantraut from Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. Yes, he's exactly like him. He's he's crooked. He's not moral. He's what he does is fundamentally wrong, but he makes it look like he he has control and he knows what he's doing and he's, and he brings a weird sense of honor to it, even though it's just, I think dishonorable completely. I disagree. I disagree a bit with what you said, but I get, he's got the same mentality on, on killing, but I don't think it's the same reasons. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. He's I got, think- but to me, he's an older man who's coming into this life and he's not this young kid who's wide eyed and in it for the fame and fortune. Both kind of said they want yeah, to support their family, the but the difference is Frank, gets consumed by it a little but to me the moment when that his his almost his um what set him apart from the gangsters was he wasn't he didn't seem as material he didn't seem uh in it for the fame and glory and the and the the women yeah, the rolex the, watches and yeah stuff. And, the, and the jewelry but as soon the as cars. he left as soon as yeah as soon as he left his wife i was like oh so he is just like everyone else because there was no conflicts. It kind of just looked like he saw another a, a pretty waitress and was like, "Okay, I'm leaving my wife now." So, so it kind of fair, took away from his fair. character. Um, what's her name? Irene. She wasn't. She was. There weren't. There wasn't a big age gap. 
Yeah, but to me, it was just kind of like, like it wasn't like he. It felt like he did it on a whim because of the way it was portrayed. Um, and I thought maybe it's to show he's been tempted by this life, but it just didn't sit well with me. And I don't know why. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't mind. It. I was just sort of like, yeah, yeah. But to me, he'd been set apart from other gangster. I mean, stereotypes. To be fair, and like, that kind of dragged him back a, down. He, to be fair, he is a real person, so like, they yeah. have to get these key moments in exactly. But I guess it doesn't. It doesn't just flow with the film as well as it could have. I don't know. I mean, unless we want another two hours added on of like, yeah. Frank screaming, screaming at his two of his wives. I feel like just one argument between him and his wife though would have made it feel more natural at least. Yeah. Like um, maybe after he beat then, up the guy yeah, at the grocery it, store, she was like, she gave him a look. Even that would have hinted yeah, at some sort of complex. It. Yeah. And then sort of just buying the numbers until he kills Jimmy. And we can talk about that if you want. Yeah. I think that's definitely even though, again, once again, he's a horrible criminal, but as far as criminals go, he brings a certain honor and a certain. I don't think he. I don't think he brings an honor to it because I don't. I was never like, oh, let's see why why he's doing that. I was just you don't you don't clock. Yeah, don't seem to know. I never got the that, impression um, though that he he's a bad he's a horrible person until the end when yeah. you're like. Oh, I don't think he ever. I never got the impression, unlike most gangsters, that he enjoyed it or he took pride in killing. He saw it as business, he just like Vito. Yeah, um, he just goes. He was yeah, still a psychopath, and he was still wrong, obviously. But he he yeah. didn't. It didn't feel like he he was a, a sociopath. He didn't take enjoyment from it. He just did it because he had to, in a way, without question. And the moment when it starts yeah. to become real to him, when he starts to go, oh wait, no, this is bad. Is when he he's forced to kill Jimmy. Um. Yeah. Which is like it's so quick. It's there's so much build up. Yeah, like it's, he goes yeah. to the house. He goes to the house, scopes it out, and then like he sees uh, the guy with the glasses there, like putting the the stuff down on the carpet, and then he drives there, and then he picks him up and he has to drive all the way back. And there's that thing with the salmon or whatever. Yeah, that, or was, the fish. that was odd, but I liked it. Yeah. It was kind of a, and and another one of those weird Jimmy's interactions. That, son yeah. is is there as well. Oh, I felt so like, bad for him because he doesn't know. He's going along with it. He doesn't know. What's he going along with I think he, he didn't. Uh, I, I think they roped him in and he had no idea this was happening because I think he really looked up to his dad. Um, well, yeah, because he punches that guy with the BB Yeah, gun. I love that whole scene. With a gun. With a... You charge. You, you charge. With a knife, you run. With a knife, you run. Yeah. That was um, great. And then, and then there's like so much build up, you know, and you're like, yeah, oh, it's extremely God. tense by the time we get, cause you and then, know and then, what's going to happen. And then like this slow, and then it just goes, it sort of like goes on to fast forward the, the, the pacing and it just goes, let's go bang, bang, done. Yeah. It's like, it's crazy. It just, it's over so quickly. There's no, there's no lingering. There's no close ups of De Niro thinking and being like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? There's no close up of Hoffa being all suspicious. He literally goes, there's something wrong here. Bang, bang, dead. What? And he just goes, <laughs> let's, let's get out of here. Bang, bang, done. And then, then, then you just see like them carrying him out and then probably like what dumping him in a but river or something. Even on the whatever. second viewing that shocked me. You're like, Oh my yeah. God, it's gone. And I love that. Cause while it lost, it wasn't like a typical drama where 
there's tons of build up and it's getting tense and it's really emotional. Yeah, there's like it, a there's a close up of the gun yeah. and then the guy's face it, and then it's slow mo him pulling the trigger. Yeah. And, then, and that yeah. has its place because like, it, it gets you tense and worked up and like, oh my god. But this this did yeah. the polar opposite and I loved it. It was the shock value. You don't get that when there's a massive build up because you know it's coming. This just happened. And that's must have been how both Hoffer and Frank felt. Even though Frank was pulling the trigger, he would have been like, <gasps> you know, oh my God, what have I just done in a way? And that's how it is real, in realistic. Yeah, like, you, you know, can never prepare like, yourself for that like, kind of thing. I, I think, you, at least. You, you, do li- you do literally just go bang, bang with a gun. You don't they, go like... They literally bite the bullet. They're like, oh, no. Yeah. And I think in real life, it would be much the same. If you were pressured into like flipping murdering another human being, even after you did it, it's you'd like be shocked. Him. You'd be like, oh my God. And it'd it be like, you rip, like rip, it's like ripping the bandage off, you know? Yeah. And, and I love the way they portrayed the long lasting effects on him for, from that one moment that that's so shocking. It has a, an effect yeah, on that, him for the next that, 40 sort of the years. Last, for the last 30 minutes, he yeah. sort of loses his family. His wife dies. Yes. Uh, probably. I don't know. I think she does die. And then like his daughters don't really talk to him. Peggy, especially, who's the uh, sort of the main one, she definitely she stops talking to him straight away. Yeah, and then you sort of just see he goes to prison for eighteen years. Yeah, crazy. And, um, um, but and he sees everyone, and he sees everyone who is like who brought him up, just go like that, like straight away. Russell just wheel, gets wheeled off and just goes, "I'm going to church." <laughs> You'll get a bad day, and he does. Um, they both turn to God when they're scared of dying, which is ironic because they take other people's lives. Even at the end of his life, Frank says, I don't, I don't regret it. I don't think about the families. I never knew them. He's still got that sociopathic, psychopathic mindset to the end. Even yeah. when he himself is fearing death, he doesn't understand how others, he doesn't, he doesn't have sympathy. And, and I find that it's such a yeah, brilliant performance because like, to see him wasting away slowly. The, yeah, the fact that he's more concerned about his own death than the th- hundreds of murders he's committed himself is like it, it's the nail in the coffin for our appreciation of the character. Still, for any appreciation we have left, you know, and he still doesn't um, rat anyone out. <laughs> yeah, like the FBI I mean, he does in real life. Goes, I, he just goes, I can't tell you. Yeah, I feel bad for him. In the, real life, did he? Yeah. Did he rat I don't. Out? I don't feel bad for him because he's a horrible murderer. But at the same time, he said this in the end. Yes, the man was a complete nutter and a psychopath, but he was actually friends with Hoffer. And if what he says is true, he he said, "I knew that if I didn't kill Hoffer, someone else would, and they'd also kill me." And I was like, "Geez, imagine yeah. being in a position like that, where you literally have to kill one of your closest friends." Or I think the best way to I put mean, it it's is crazy. The best way to put it is yes, he's a horrible person, but he is still human person. Yeah, and that's yeah. what's portrayed really well. We can we can condemn it all we want, but it's like the priest you can says, empathize. Yeah, you can empathize with this <laughs> awful man because you're like, yes, he's done horrible things, but does anyone deserve to live in such such a horrible way? Like, I don't know. Probably, but <laughs> you know, it's still still feel bad for the guy anyway. So no, and that final shot. Yeah, I mean that's film, great. I mean, I just this which whole, is and the door and it and it's so like like that's the most 
obvious metaphor and perfect metaphor because the door is just about to close and he's still clinging on. Yeah, he's like he doesn't then, he he doesn't want to go. He even says like he has to pick his own coffin, but he's like it all feels so final. He can't grasp the fact that he will die. You know, this man who'd taken the lives of so many can't accept that he's going to die yeah. soon. And it's kind of like at the end of it all, he had the fame, he had the glory, he was in the papers. He he became known by everyone. But when that fell apart, yeah. when his mafia family disappeared and wasted away, when he was in prison, what did he have left? At least, you know, most normal people with normal jobs, normal lives, by the end of it, they have a family around them to care for them, to, to make them feel like, like they have meaning. To this. Yeah. They, you know. At the end of your life, you have your family to feel like you have something and you've created something and you've meant something to someone. And this man had that glory, but in the end, it wasn't worth it because he had nothing. Matter. Yeah, he had nothing in the end because of that. And it, I think it's a powerful message of like, sure, fame and glory are great, but, but does it matter at the end if if, if, yeah. if everything else is gone? Um, and it's kind of a metaphor for Scorsese because it's his final work in a way. Um, well, it, it's I mean, not his final making, work. He's still, he's still making He's still movies, got a four in the... Yeah, he's making a Teddy if, Roosevelt it movie. Could, it could be. Which I'm really looking well, forward well, to. We, we talked about it last episode, yeah. didn't we? Yeah, we did, didn't we? I think so. He's, he's got loads of stuff. He's got about four projects up that he's he's doing one after but, the other. I'm like, good on, good on him. But yeah. if, I mean, if the if the you know unthinkable happens and he passes away, this is a perfect one to end. Absolutely. On. I, think, I mean, I think, you can tell there's think, so much heart in this movie. There's so much of him portrayed think, in Frank. In a way, I think he did it. I think he did it at the perfect time because he's not. I don't think he's dying anytime soon. But he, no. if he did, you know, just. He's he's made it. Exactly. He's made the film. He's talked about what he wants to talk about. And now he can now he can just make what he wants to make. I mean he can, he's put the end he's put the end on his career without ending his career, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's like Kevin like, Smith he's taught, he's said, has said before, he's like when he had his heart attack, he was like, I want to make my swan song. Yeah. Uh, in a way. My my piece that my my movie to my legacy. And it's and you know you can do that before you die, but the point is if you if you start to get old or you've had a near death experience like Kevin Smith, you want to you want to feel like you've made an impression on this world. Much like Frank, he made an impression, but he kind of lost everything. But these creators want to make something that stands the test of time, and so people will remember them in a way. And I think Scorsese portrays that really well because it's very personal. You can tell he's he's getting old. He's and you start to think about seventy six. Yeah, you start to think about death and these themes, and it's very clear he he wrote that into this movie, and it's a perfect portrayal of his thoughts and his kind of his legacy in a way. So, yeah, great movie. Well, that that's that's what we think. Yep, go and watch it, please. Please, it's on Netflix. yes, it's free. Watch it in installments if you want. Uh, maybe watch each era separately. Like you know, I don't know. But if you're if you're a man <laughs> or a woman, <laughs> you got you got and you got and you got a big pair of you know cojones. You can handle a bit of sitting down. You know? It's not that difficult. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> it's not running a marathon. It's not running a marathon. Uh, just watch the film in, all the way through. Just buckle up. Oh yeah, just yeah. Turn the light. The, right. This is what I do. Here's a little tip, everyone. Just turn the lights off. Yeah, you're getting grossed. 
am for emulate a cinema because God knows no one's going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. These movies lend so. themselves to being played at home, though, because you can get up and do whatever you want. I hate I hate being confined dance. to a movie theater for four hours. You could dance during one of the murder yeah. montages. Yes, we not nothing. Do some yoga. You. you can't do that in a you can't do that in a movie theater. Well, you can, but you get kicked out. Cinema. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Um. So I hope you enjoyed our 2019 catch up episode one. Yeah, I mean that was the longest movie we've covered yet, and good lord, come. Come back in two episodes' time. We'll just come back well, next episode. So yeah. in two episodes' time, we'll be doing another film from 2019. We haven't decided yet. We'll tell you. No. Well, imagine. it's up to you this time. We're kind of alternating and choosing one each so that we get a bit of... Um, I chose The Irishman, yeah, well, so do Alex it. will choose something. So, well, yeah. The, well, I don't know how it'll work, because I've... Oh, but, uh, we'll figure it out. Can we move on to um, our next segment? Yeah. I think you should go first, Sonny. Well, it's time for me to get keep up it, on my it, soapbox. Keep it short. I will, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to. I was even thinking maybe we should cut this up into two episodes, but nah, let's just get on with it. Um, Sunny Soapbox, it's time for Sunny Soapbox. Har ye, har ye, I declare myself pickled tink. Shut your fucking mouth! Shut the fuck up, you cunt! Boy, that escalated quickly. Doodaloo, play the little intro, blah, blah, blah. We just do it ourselves. Yeah. Honestly, cut that. No, keep that in. So, what's what you talking about this week, Sonny? Well, Better Call Saul. I binge watched it over the past like two weeks. I watched all five seasons because reasons. At time of recording. Yeah. Uh, I had previously watched a, f- <laughs> a few seasons, um, and then I kind of gave up on the show because they, um, you didn't know what was going on. Well, I think I think down. it was at the point where I reached the end of what they'd made so far, and then I just didn't come back for the next ah. season. I just kind of forgot about it, so I came back. I was like, "I'm going to watch all five, and I did. And we're going to do a whole episode, um, at least, on Better Call Saul Series and Breaking Bad. Yeah, um, but I just want to talk about my appreciation for. Vince Gilligan and his use of color imagery and symbolism. Um, He's a genius. Yeah. I mean, I've not seen all of Breaking Bad. I've seen bits of it and the start of it, but Better Call Saul got my attention for some reason. So I just watched that first and I did read the wiki to get up to date. I can can understand. I can understand understand why it gets more people. (laughs) Breaking Bad's quite deep. And I'm not so great with bleak. I think the I think the perfect word is bleak. Bleak. Yeah. I was I I when I first watched it, I Breaking Bad it blew my mind. I absolutely love it. And I absolutely love Better Call Saul as ever as well. Oh yeah. I but absolutely Breaking Bad, I was yeah. like Breaking Bad sucked the life out of me completely. Like yeah. I think by the end I was like, What the hell did <laughs> I just watch? I absolutely appreciate it as a piece of art, but it is draining to watch. So I was like, I'm gonna try out Better Call Saul because I really like the style it goes for. And this one isn't about dying of cancer. And so, so <laughs> Becoming a uh, becoming yeah. a horrible murderer and uh, drug kingpin. Yeah, it's a bit more lighthearted. This one's about this one's about the comedic relief in that series. Yeah, and, and and it's still it's still quite bleak as well. Oh yeah, definitely. But it's not nowhere near as gritty. Yeah, there's um, no there's no um uh you know yeah, yeah. watching people die. Well, there know. is, but it's not not um nowhere near as yeah as uh, intense. So I thought. Who cares if I don't have context? I'm going to watch it because it's a prequel anyway, and I'll just read some articles. It's if a I prequel get it. anyway, yeah. yeah. Def- and 
praise to the series think, they make it very that. easy to watch for people who haven't watched breaking bad because occasionally there yeah, are references the whole, to things that i didn't get yeah the, but a quick wiki read what, and it was fixed well yeah because like i think the only thing like there are characters that reappear yeah you know obviously there's this character but, but it's before they are what they are in breaking bad yeah and it's it's very interesting to see how they are there's definitely easter they... eggs and things thrown in for breaking bad fans where you can like you can tell that 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 that's a reference to something later but you don't need to understand yeah, it to it get the show it doesn't yeah it doesn't because, impact the show and uh because it's a prequel so things gilligan you what you're saying yes um i just love his use of imagery and color and just symbolism in general um, yeah. like how the, the title sequence gets more distorted and corrupted throughout the series as Jimmy falls into this life of crime is great. The, well, the, the, the black and white openings are probably the, yeah. if you just want to look at like, I, I would say directing, just look at that. Oh, definitely. Just look at the first, the first one of the first episode is insanely good. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I just go on YouTube, watch it. Yeah, I mean that that those sequences are the best part of each season. It's great that even if like sometimes you just want the next season just to see that black and white sequence. <laughs> Cuz and, and now there's and then like I remember in season 4 when there was another one I was like what the f-? Was there two? I can't there remember. Were there? There were two. There was one half I think there was one halfway through. Oh, I don't remember. There was one star like normal and there was one halfway through. I kind of was like, wasn't keeping track <gasps> of which season was which. Um, I was just kind of binging. Oh well, yeah, because I think they all sort of, if you binge, they blend together. Oh yeah, definitely. Which is, a they blend together really well as well. You wouldn't be able to tell that they were separated by time. That's one of my, it is my complaint with Breaking Bad a bit. Why? Does it feel very segmented? To a lesser, no, to a lesser extent, Barrett Costa, in Breaking Bad, it all, te- like, so the show is five seasons long. It, yeah. It was 2007 to two, 2008, 2013. Right. And, and but the whole show only the whole story only takes place over about two and a, a half year. years. Was it? Because I kept seeing on the wiki oh, two thousand nine. It's a, it's a, it's a and like it's a the year, year two thousand nine like, seemed very pivotal. It's, a, it's like I think it's just it's a year to eighteen months, right? And I think I think it would have been a lot more. I mean, this is just how I prefer TV. Like, I I always picture a tv season or a series as in one year and that's what saul does i think this series doesn't it on the whole i think maybe maybe I know, I know it, it takes place really. from the early 2000s to to uh, it's just about four or five years i think it takes place over with each season roughly yeah. representing about a year give or take um yeah but but breaking bad is very different i'm like okay yeah. I, I think it, if it just it would have been better if they stretched it over. That's all I'm saying. But we'll get into that when yeah. we do but, an episode um, on it. The imagery <gasps> that they use in this movie—not movie, movie, <laughs> movie quality TV, TV shows. Yeah. Um, the, for example, Jimmy when he goes into this office, is it is it Davison Maine, the one that he goes into with the um, the guy who's also in Arrested Development owns the law firm. Um, um, is that is that the one where he, he gets the, plays the bagpipes? Yeah, that one. Is that Davison Maine? I can't remember. I think it is, yes. Um, there's, a, there's a light switch. Like, this man has been given this grand office, an assistant, anything he wants, any desk he wants. He's, he's made it. He's made it. And the one thing he's not supposed to do, touch that light switch, he does. And I love that. 
Because it's like, it shows that no matter how much Jimmy is given, he always wants to go against the system. He always wants to do it his way. He's never satisfied. And that one little thing of saying, do not touch. And he just does it on a whim, like, eh, shows his defiance and being like, he always, no matter how straight he tries to be, you know, no matter how lawful he tries to remain, he's always going to want to do things his own way and defy the rules. And I love that. Um, another great piece of imagery that stood out is um, Kim gives him that world's, world's second best lawyer thing. Well, she writes on second yeah. best. <laughs> I like that. But it doesn't fit in the company car. Like it's in his old car, it fit. She gave him this uh, thermos yeah, or whatever. And it doesn't, and it fit. doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. And I mean, it shows this car. Just There's so many messages in that one little piece of imagery that's so momentary. The, this company doesn't fit Jimmy. This car doesn't isn't him. It's who he's trying to be. It's a lawyer's car, and he's not really a lawyer. He's Jimmy. He's his own brand of just he's slipping Jimmy. He, yeah, exactly. He's slipping Jimmy, and it just shows that his relationship isn't going to fit. It's it's well. I think we could, as well we can say we can that assume he is Saul. That's yeah, like that's who he is as a person. He tries to be Jimmy. He tries to be. Yeah, um, Gene in the flash forward. He tries to be Chuck in a Sorry. way. He wants to be his brother. He wants to be honorable. Yeah, yeah. And it's just not him. And no matter how much he fights it, it that, that cup shows, no matter how much he fights it and tries to make everything work and tries to follow the rules, it's never going to happen. He's, 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 it's almost like he's destined to become Saul Goodman. Um, yeah. Again, the... He scraps his answer machine. It might seem like a little thing, but it shows him straightening out. Like it shows him accepting who he is. He's not trying to be yeah. like, hello, welcome to McGill Law Services. He's like, this is Jimmy. This is who I am. It's him being like, this is me. I know who I am. Um, again, there's a, apparently the lady comes into his law firm and there's an, the, the Wexler McGill logo. The lady's like, that M is slightly crooked. And he goes, yeah, slightly crooked. I like that just all these little tiny things i don't know i just love it i just love the definitely what the show is what you're saying oh definitely yeah there's there's and there's you, more examples like, but i'm not gonna go through them all here we'll save that for the you look at um review episode you look at like other tv yeah and and you look at what vince gilligan and his team are doing yeah and you're just like <laughs> how 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 i feel like, like like i don't i don't know what the, i don't know what the budget is right but i don't know what the budget difference is but you know like the 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 dc tv shows yeah it just shows people, you can't buy like, quality wow look at like they put like fully cgi characters in when they cleared out of the budget and this show this show puts its money where its mouth is yeah definitely. it knows what to do it like Definitely in season five, I was absolutely blown away by how gorgeous it looked. Uh, yeah, so my my favorite episodes are in season four and five. That's when it really ramps up. Not to say that one through three aren't good; like they're brilliant. But this just takes it to another level. I almost feel like it's unfair three- to to compare this show to other shows just because of how good it is. Like I feel like nothing will ever. Yeah, Breaking Bad as well. So it's, yeah, it's the same thing. And exactly, you know, it's it the, just shows the first four seasons of Game of Thrones. Ooh. Yeah, you can. Well, I'm saying first four seasons, oh, everyone. Yeah, chill out. <laughs> the it just shows they they they're just as good as this as well. So yeah, in my opinion, I'm not as big of a fan of Game of Thrones, but 
Oh, right, okay, right, okay. We won't get into that. Um, the, I mean, it just shows that no matter how much money you throw at a show, it's not going to fix. It's not going to make it better. You have to. You have to have the the note. You have to. You have to use it kept wisely. It's about people. Like they, they yeah, it's to- not about money. It's about the people who are involved. And any other, I guarantee, if there's anyone else in charge of these shows other than Vince Gilligan, they would not be the same. They would just be another Netflix show. That he another, has his own know, cable yeah, show. He has his own brand of writing, and it's so appealing for some reason. He doesn't just tell a story. And he, and he, he weaves it together like this rich and complicated tapestry of storytelling. And he hires people with the same mentality. You like, can definitely tell. Him, obviously, yeah. he he has his team of writers. Yeah, and he, and it, and the 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 director of photography on this, on I think it's it's a different guy between Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. It's two different guys, but they right. they definitely defined a look. Like, mm, yeah, of course, yeah. I used a lot of wides, which I tried to use in one of my films, and it it didn't go great. <laughs> I'll tell you now, but I I really admire what they do. Just even the yeah, even the set design, like the color, the, the use of color in these series is a big theme that the fans kind of latch onto. Is like, oh yeah, the, we'll get the into it. I can't like, yeah, there's so much to say about it, but just the Should way just, the color, uh, everything's color coordinated, and it it just. It feels like it just taps into something in your brain where like it works. These color coordinations, this symbolism, this imagery creates this makes the story feel more rich and um st- like there's more to it. Like it has substance rather than just telling a dramatic story. He 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 creates he makes art out of it. That's what I like about it. You can tell yeah. he cares by just by leaving all these little hints in. I mean, there's so many tiny references and callbacks. And like when, uh, in my favorite episode, which you could tell Vince Gilligan directed, cause it's just the best, the um, baggage. <laughs> What's it called? Something? Uh, Bagman. Bagman. In season baggage. five. <laughs> Bagman. Baggage. Um, Mike takes the uh, petrol cap off Saul's car, showing that he had a tracker in it. Cause previously in the season, he put... Um, no, no. Previously, in like two seasons, two seasons, ago, yeah. In like, the sorry, so the series, um, he his car's bugged in the same way, and he bugs someone else's car using that technique. And then you're like, oh, so that, he that Jimmy's car, yeah. That's how that. that's how he knows where Jimmy is. That's how he was following him. Just little things like it that shows that the characters have developed because they learn from yeah. mistakes. But should we should we just like stop gushing over Better Call Saul? Oh god, yeah. I always spot. Just keep. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to ruin our episode on it. But just my my point is this: or Vince Gilligan. Because I don't think I don't think we can cover. Oh yeah, definitely no. Um, the whole thing. Yeah, we'll just cover our favorite one episode. Well, yeah, we'll cover our favorite parts of the show. We'll, we'll figure it out. Stay tuned if you want to hear us talk about TV as well. I know. Yeah, we've not covered a TV show yet. I don't think we're brave enough. But because <laughs> well, like. Come on, we have to watch it. It's yeah, like a lot of work. Oh, also, Giancarlo Esposito is amazing. Um, I'll just add that on. <laughs> and um, uh, Jonathan Banks, who plays Mike. Oh, fantastic. yeah, fantastic. And and Bob Odenkirk. There's so many talented people in the show. Bob Odenkirk. Oh my god. He. He's why so hasn't good. he been anyway, anymore? Oh, he's been quite a lot. But anyway, it's time to go over to me. Time to another calm down, to, Kubrick. Yeah, it's time for me to tell you to calm down, Kubrick. So today I want to talk about um, Hearts of Darkness, a filmmaker's apocalypse. Um, 
people probably know this. It's the Apocalypse Now documentary. I watched it for the first time uh, last week. Right. And I got to say, this documentary is so great. It's almost as meaningful as the film itself. And I, there's a joke in um community where they say it's better than the film. I disagree, but this it might as well just be as it's as good. Yeah. And I've um, never been like... I watched the, the Rise of Skywalker I'm, documentary recently. That's definitely better than the film. That's a case where that's true. <laughs> wow. But, yeah. Good I can't even stomach watching. I couldn't even stomach watching that. The documentary is anyway, great. But yeah, but this film, film so it's a, it's it's about the making of Apocalypse Now, which right. was Francis Coppola, which I've still not watched. Film, you have to watch. I know. It. I can, how can I have I'm, a? I'm how can I be you. on a movie podcast and and not have watched that film? I feel bad about it. Well, I was listening to another one, and apparently, like four of the no three of the four hosts on this movie podcast hadn't seen it. Wow. I was I was like I was like I thought I was a weirdo I, for not seeing it. Like, how have I? <laughs> Like a little, like, like a little boy or whatever, or like a little, <laughs> a little, a little yeah. idiot, uh, who, like, little old Alex. To, yeah, little old me yeah. has seen Apocalypse Now in the cinema because I went to see oh, the yeah, final cut which came out yeah. last year. Um, and uh, and then these three professional screenwriters and filmmakers hadn't seen it. Jeez, and I was like. Okay, cool. I just found longer films intimidating, even though all my favorite movies of all time are mostly longer films. <laughs> 10 billion hours yeah. long. But this one is, this documentary anyway, it's it's Ella, it's Francis Coppola's wife. Right. She filmed this documentary and then she just sort of went, oh my God, this makes my husband look like an absolute mental case. I can't do this. And then like these students uh, came in and uh, they went, we can help. And they sort of collaborated on it as well together. Right. And then, and then it was released in 1991, and um, and it's just it's like it's so weird how the journey in the film that the characters go on is mirrored by what the journey that Francis Ford Coppola goes through making the film. I get the impression that they essentially turned the making of a story into a story itself that was almost as no, compelling it, in a way. Like it's they, strange because. No, but it's like it's, it's sort of this perfect storm of coincidences. Like, huh. because the production was so har- har- harrowing, God, I couldn't speak. It was so harrowing and like difficult and like everything that was like a tsunami or yeah. like the choppers broke down. I heard Copla had a bad time. Uh, yeah, he had a horrible time. And then like Marlon Brando came in and nearly stole a million dollars from him. Because I'm going to like, this money. Like, it's Marlon Brando is like, he got paid three million dollars, so a million dollars a week, and he got, yeah, because we got a million dollars a week. That's actually less than I would have work. thought for Brando. I guess. And then, then, and then he would have just taken a million. He got a million up front, and wow. then there was like this thing where he might not be in it, but he was still going to keep the million dollars. <laughs> well, that's a good deal, jeez. Of of, Cop- of Coppola's own money, by the way, Jesus. So that's devotion, right there. And um. And uh, basically, and then so anyway, so it's just a disaster, and he basically just has a breakdown. And then, but the, so he sort of weaves the breakdown into the film, and, and because the film is basically one long mental breakdown, right? It's sort of all it just it's it's perfect storm of coincidences and adapt, adapt, adapting to your situation, and it's really inspiring for anyone who's like I can 
like my camera's broken it's right out of battery and, uh, yeah and i can't film my film and uh, oh why didn't i shoot more i can't edit it uh, you know it's like it's like watching it's like, the news just, and realizing the, you don't have it that bad <laughs> like, yeah just put the put this documentary on and see what people what this guy went through to make this film he's like why can't i make something I'm, as good i'm as- guessing it's like a perfect definition of suffering for your art yeah exactly yeah definitely and uh, and it's like people like i i've been guilty of this i've said like oh what i, I wish i could make something as good as yeah but, i mean we uh, all you know yeah we all everyone says that yeah. but then like there but then you go and look at watch this or and you just go oh yeah because i've never suffered this much to make something this perfect yeah and I just think you should go and watch it. For some reason, you can't watch it in the UK. But if you buy Apocalypse Now, the Final Cut DVD, which I did, um, mm. you get you get it with it, which was a nice surprise for me because I was thought, oh, cool, I get the movie. But then I opened it, the the box up and I had both of them, and I was like, oh, maybe Coppola's, maybe Coppola or his wife were like, no, this can't get out, hide it. <laughs> no, no. Now he's like, hey, check it out. It's really cool. Yeah, I guess it does show tenacity. I feel, I feel like. And the, the the ending, I'll, I will, I'll, I'll spoil it because you can't really spoil a documentary. Not really. <laughs> it's, this, it's this, um, like the, because they were like, they had these like indigenous tribes on the set, like right as part of the film. They, well, like, as in weird, like not extras, just at, they used real like real life indigenous. Yeah, they people. use them. They use them as extras. Wow. And then there was like this weird, there was like this sacrifice, like ceremony where they sacrificed this caravan, just beat, like hacked it to pieces with machetes and like, I don't know, burnt it or something. And Eleanor Coppola, she's like, she's basically like a grandma when she, she's like, <laughs> I went out and I found, and I called Francis o- over to watch this caribou being murdered. <laughs> it was so beautiful. I was oh like, my God. what the what? I was, it was so, I was, I was laughing. I was confused. I was a bit concerned. Sounds a bit like um, and I think, I think uh, that's all a documentary can ask for. Apparently, the film "The Island of Doctor Moreau" or Monroe Moreau, weirdly, that also had Marlon Brando in. Um, they made they made a movie of it. Um, I can't remember the name of the guy who made it, but apparently, he had like a a bit of a mental breakdown doing it, and everything that went could have gone wrong did go wrong. Maybe it's just Marlon Brando. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean. But yeah, he he had like night terrors because the film's about this man who creates weird hybrid animal people. It's a weird film. Oh, you like, like you do. Like you do. Uh, yeah, really odd film. Um, and I, th- I get the impression the director was a bit kind of also odd, which made him perfect for it. And he had like night terrors about these creatures banging down his door. And, and there was like s- horrible weather that tore apart the sets on the island. And it was like the movie was cursed, essentially. Dude, you've literally just described what happens in this documentary. Wow, maybe it's Brando in, in the production. Maybe it Brando's just cursed. Be. Yeah, and he and he turns up overweight, and the, and then like, so Francis Ford Coppola, he, Marlon Brando turns up overweight because it was like back. It was it was made when like Marlon Brando started to get fat. Yeah, that was a shame. I mean, he just really at the end of his life just went. And then so he tried to write hill. it into the thing. He was like, oh, maybe because this, I won't. Sp- spoil apocalypse now if you haven't seen it but it's like mm. also maybe he became fat and he's like no my character's thin <laughs> and so they had to like what? so like the every so scene with Marlon Brando is like 
Well, so basically that's a filming from the like neck up. Oh, and so it's all these really? close-ups of him doing, and all of his dialogue is basically in, improvised. And there's a scene there where he's like, I can't think of any more dialogue for today. It's like <laughs> 11, it's like 11 o'clock in the morning. And they started like three hours ago. And that's just sad. Fame gets to people's heads though, doesn't it? It leads to all sorts. Arrogance, yeah. um, <laughs> abuse of their own body. And, sad. and Apocalypse Now is based on Hearts of Darkness. By Joseph Conrad Campbell, ah, oh, whatever. Right. Anyway, so it's it's loose. It's based on that, but it's set in the Vietnam War when the the book isn't. Right. And and, Mar- and everyone had everyone who was in it had read it, and they were like, "I understand what's going on." Well, they loosely understood what's going on because there are some changes. And Marlon Brando came and he was like, "I've never read it. I've never, <laughs> wow. I've never read it." And, and he Crazy. was like, "Why do people put up with looked, them? It's like oh, I don't know. I just, it's just because they're famous." Well, but yeah, but uh, Hearts of Darkness definitely check it out. Yeah, if you're interested. It seems that Coppola has a big that. thing for even when his productions go wrong, these happy accidents that come out of them end up making his films better. Not to say that his films aren't great in the first place, but you know, weirdly, these yeah. coincidences like Brando not t- not turning up for the flashbacks in Godfather Two and um, and um, what do you call him, Clemenza? But yeah, Clemenza just didn't turn up, and still he made it work. So I admire him for that. Should we move on to the news? The news. The news. The news. This just in. F- I'm on f- off. I'm on live telly. Oh, yeah, yeah, f- f- off out of it. I want to f- hell. F- off you little twat. Sorry. Got, 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 not, not much new, not big news, but we got quite a few little things to say, I guess. Little things we could just... I mean, this episode's already quite long. Yeah, we'll get just we'll just, just skip let's through just get it a bit. None of it's particularly just by great. <laughs> it is a bit boring, yeah. I mean, we might as well just get rid of this new. Let's just get rid of the new segment. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. <laughs> it's just let's who needs on. to know? Um, Christopher Nolan's Tenet and Wonder Woman 1984 have been moved from July 31st and August 14th, respectively, to October, I believe. Um, because yeah, so like literally everything else. Welcome, yeah, I mean, welcome to the pandemic, Warner Brothers yeah. or Universal or whoever. And considering there might be a second wave, it might even get pushed back even further. So it's kind of a bit redundant yeah. until it actually gets released. But whatever. Well, then we we said on previous episodes that um, they were adamant. Yeah, for the July release, and then like, and we and we, we said on that we were like, you're so stupid. You're yeah, it's not. Eyes. Yeah, anyone knows it wouldn't. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen unless you uh you know give us all hamster balls to come in and, and like in quarantine suits. I get the impression people are kind of like oh, but at the same time, what are you going to do? Like, it's not really oh, because people aren't torn up about everything because like people are like oh no, I'm going to have to wait longer. Yeah, there well, are bigger yeah. problems at the moment than you've, waiting you've, for a you've movie. Had to wait, you've had to wait longer for all the other movies. Yeah. What what makes this one different? So yeah, not 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 big news there but that's kind of the, almost the biggest story of the week uh yeah well i've got a big story here oh yeah the oh yeah yeah oscars are um planning more to increase diversity and expand the best picture category big whoop is what i say um they should have done this probably 15 years ago they're expanding it by one aren't they or something well no because like it's very loose best picture like it might be I think, yeah i think i think it might be like it might be five it might be six it might it's be just, 
well, last year it was nine, but now they're definitively committing to ten. It's kind of ironic that they do that the one year when no movies are actually coming out. It is insane. Well, apparently, welcome to the movie in. industry logic, everyone. <laughs> well, apparently, it's only going into effect next. The, oh well, this year, so it's not going in for the twenty. Fair so enough. for the, all of twenty twenty one films, right, it'll go right. into effect and uh, increased diversity. Well, you should have done that probably yeah. a lot sooner. There's so many. There's so many white people like in that. the Oscars. <laughs> like the only people you who know. get nominated are white. Good lord. Anyway, and men. Uh, white, women don't get white nominated. men. Yeah. So you can come on, diversity, diversity. The number, you can count the number of best director winner, yeah. winners who are women on one hand, which is it's tragic. Really tragic. It's really strange. Yeah. And uh, people, I mean, last year's with um, all of the uh, best directors were guys. Yeah. I just know that at the last Oscars, I couldn't sit through it because I got sick of white people, mostly men, getting awards. I had to, I, I, because there were so many great movies and great performances from people that weren't straight white men and that's all i was seeing and so yeah i mean to be fair not not to be fair but just to, to point out <laughs> yeah i'm defending uh, anyway no i'm not i'm being a bit of devil's advocate like last year was tough competition yeah they at least that's trying to make an effort it was tough, but it's still a problem it was tough competition it was tough competition and i think all the i think all the films that got nominated for best picture deserved it definitely and all yeah. the directors have gone on to deserve I it. I loved uh, Joaquin's Definitely. speech, though, about it. Uh, diversity and... Yeah. So... Well, yeah, then, yeah, then you had all like the people coming up and look, look how woke I am. And it's like, yeah, well, what are you gonna, actually going to do? Yeah, that's what... So. It's like Ricky Gervais said, the whole industry is like all about... Says they're about diversity, but no one actually does anything. And yeah, so... Because, because the, pe- the face right. of it aren't actually in charge. Yeah, it's the it's sad. Straight white man. Yeah, yeah, the actors are trying all their best. They're giving their speeches, but nothing's going to happen unless the higher ups say it's going to happen. Unless they become in charge. Yeah, and then you know, people like them. We need to get we need to get more diversity. We need to have more diverse people in charge. Um, because diversity just means a bit of a bit of everyone, a taste of every walk of life. That's just that makes movies interesting. I want to I want to hear people's stories uh, about how their sexuality, their skin color, their gender. I want to hear about their experiences because it's unique to them. And when the industry is just and dominated are, by straight white men, it becomes very samey. And there are, there are f- films out there now, but there needs to be more. Definitely. And there needs to be yeah. more recognized. Variety well. is the spice of life. We need, we, d- diversity is only a good thing. It, it, it leads to inclusivity. It leads to more varied storytelling. It leads to, so you know, why 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 limit it? That's the way I see it. Anyway, what are we on the news? <laughs> um, have we got any more news? Um, this isn't showbiz news, but considering there's a lack of it, PS Five's coming out. Not really showbiz news, but it kind of ties into that looks whole dreadful. Looks like a Wi Fi router, but hey, I will not. I will not be buying one. Eh. I don't care. Um, I stopped caring about video ties, games. Yeah, quite a long ties time. into that whole merging of Unreal Engine uh, video games, uh, real life movies. Again, that PS Five is bringing movies closer to games with Unreal Engine Five and realistic rendering, real time rendering. So, yeah, yeah. And they've announced a new Spider Man um, Miles Morales game, which looks cool. And let's hope Miles Morales makes a transition to the big screen. That's how I can relate it to Hollywood. Well, he did in um, 
into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, but I mean in like the main Marvel universe it would be cool live action. Well, see they it. have they've they've hinted in the MCU. Maybe they've Maybe hinted when Tom it. Holland's in another 40 MCU films time when Tom Holland's like the, Iron Man like yeah. Robert Downey Robert Down Jr's age and kills himself fighting Giga Thanos or yeah. you know who's like <laughs> blue instead of purple and he has two invincible Now Thanos options. comes back and he's attached to a giant crane and he's like ah I'm not really oh. dead He's attached to GLaDOS from yeah. Portal <laughs> Nothing will stop the return of Thanos just dub over the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, you could just literally. Yeah. Anyway, and, uh, and then we have Miles Morales. Get JJ in. Yeah, but yeah, Miles Morales. It's great that he's uh, uh, coming out of the comics. He's he's had his uh, animated movie, which is great. Um, now he's got his own video game. A fantastic. He's a great character. Movie. I want to see more of him. It's a, such a good. But I mean, we love Pete Parker because you know. Yeah, they're both great characters. I want to see both of them. They're both great. They're both great. I want to see reasons, both of them interact they? together on. In live action in the Marvel universe, uh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Anyway, but the interact in Spider Verse, yeah, amazing. <laughs> Just Spider Verse is a good. Can we do that? That's that, that didn't come out in 2019. Damn it! Didn't it? It did. I don't know. I thought it did. Leave a comment, please. Email it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so sure. um, new PS5, new Spider Man game, fun times, exciting. Last of Us. Last of Us TV That's show coming out. Uh, is it a TV it? show or a movie? That, that was announced ages ago. Nothing, kind of nothing's happened. But well, to be fair, there has been a global pandemic. Yeah, but even before, so. even a while before them, I'm pretty sure it was announced. And um, kind of nothing's well, nothing's come up. But I think this is the end. We're um, sort of just kicking a dead horse yep. at this point with the news. <laughs> um, yeah, there's really not much. Uh, I, oh, and the last little thing. We mentioned a few episodes ago that they weren't doing um, a certain point of view for May the 4th this year, but they did. Just turns out it was a bit late. Uh, they're doing an Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, they just completely missed uh, the 40th anniversary yeah. for some reason. Maybe it's to do with the pandemic. I, I doubt it. But Well, I mean, you can write a book at home. Yeah, anyway, say. better late than never. Empire Strikes Back from a certain point of view. So that's something to look forward to for fans of Empire and Star Wars in general. Um, and yeah. books words and books, paper words even. paper what is this ancient medium of entertainment that we call paper kindle users might like it as well yeah anyway we're, we're just like lit so yeah just um, this out. the point of this episode the irishman's a great movie <laughs> yeah irishman <sighs> go watch it and we hope to see you back for another another episode and we hope to see you back for our, another episode of our 2019 catch-up yes see you later bye and that's our show for this week thank you so much for listening don't forget that episodes are available pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts Anchor YouTube Spotify Apple Podcasts SoundCloud you name it be sure to share this episode tell your friends and maybe even leave us a review follow the podcast on Twitter at HollywoodPod as well as on Instagram and Facebook just search for Taking on Hollywood and you'll find us you can also follow me at RealNameFake on Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel The Flavor Day Film Club if you want to check out my short films really appreciate it if you check it out thanks for listening and we hope you guys will join us next friday for another edition of taking on hollywood please we need the money we need the money please send money anyway bye see you